Hello, and welcome to episode 127 of Flicks in the Six. I'm one of your hosts, Anthony Costanzo, with me, forever and always, the man, the myth, <laughs> Alessandro Bielsi. Say hello, Al. Nice shirt, kid. <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> we have a lot to talk about on that. That was a deep cut. <laughs> on this week's episode, I catch up on something near and dear to Al's heart, other random nuggets, just before diving into our Flick of the Week, End of Days. But first, Al... What are we drinking? I'm excited about something near and dear to my heart. That could be cool. Mm. Um, we're drinking Smutty Nose Brewing Company Single Digit Double. Now, let me just ask you. Have you ever had a Smutty Nose beer? Uh, I think so. I feel like they're overall a pretty damn popular brewery. I've seen them a million times. I think I've maybe had one before now. and I don't really recall. I, I'm assuming it was an IPA because I think they have a bunch of them. Mm. At least I associate IPA with them, so... Uh, anyway, this is a double. It's Belgian style double ale. It is. It has. Uh, it has some woman on the front of it, um, along with their trademark. Um, I think it's a seal. <clears throat> Maybe it's a sea lion. Sea lion. I think we might. I don't know. Anyway, there's an old car, and there's a, she holding? a woman. Is that egg? That's saltwater taffy. Oh, maybe. Wow, we went in two very different it's directions. It's dark down here. <laughs> it looked like a carton of eggs. I think you're right. You're most. You're. It's more likely that you're right. <laughs> um, this is clearly a picture taken from the 1950s. Mm, mm. Uh, on the back, it says, Come visit our brewery and hayseed restaurant at Tal Farm in Hampton, New Hampshire. Hampton, New Hampshire. Uh, that could have been a problem. I could have tripped right over that. <laughs> and, visit us oh, online. No, no, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and visit us online at smoneynose.com for events, releases, and great merchandise. In our Easter. No. <laughs> As always, <laughs> thanks for saying, make mine a smutty. Um, They've been crafting fine beers in New Hampshire since 1994. I think we're going to have to make a Flix and a Six field trip to this place. It looks really sweet. I would really appreciate being able to go anywhere that isn't <laughs> the current area where I am. Now, the funny thing <laughs> is, unlike most people, I am out every single day for like many hours at a time. Mm -hmm. uh, yes, the mask is driving me insane. Yes, I wear it because, again, public constantly. Um, it's funny because whereas so many people are trapped in their house and chafing to get out, I am waiting to, for the time that I can get back in. And in fact, I spend the entire weekend as close to inside as my house as possible. Sometimes <laughs> when it's not raining for a week, venturing outside my house to enjoy the 60 degree air. Mm. Mm. That, all, that's, all that is to say, let's try this beer. Yeah. And this place. I really want to go there. It looks beautiful. Yeah, I think it'd be cool. It looks like a beer fun factor. Well, didn't Jay, didn't didn't friend of the show, Jay, do uh, do a trip up through New England and get he, back down through New York? I believe he did. I don't know if this was one of the stops. I would assume it was. It definitely was in the range of where he was going. I don't know if he actually went there or not. Sure. All right, let's give this one a go. Cheers. Cheers. Pretty good. I, I don't like anything that I'm hearing, but the beer is... <laughs> the yeah, beer I was doing that really as obnoxiously good. as possible. Um, <laughs> it is... There's a lot going on in my nose as this beer approaches my mouth. It's weird. Is it Tootsie Rolls? Is that what I'm getting? <laughs> I, don't, I don't smell Tootsie Rolls. I smell caramel. I, I smell caramel I malt. I smell and taste Tootsie Rolls. <laughs> I smell caramel malt. Um, that's, that's Tootsie Rolls. <laughs> no, Tootsie Rolls are chocolate. <laughs> Yeah, but it's, it's got the smell. Are you thinking of Werther's? Oh, Werther's. <laughs> I'm thinking of, no, I'm thinking of the crappy Tootsie Roll, are not you, the real one. Are you 80 years old? <laughs> <laughs> you want a butterscotch? <laughs> it's, 
not even a butterscotch. It's a caramel candy. I'm pretty sure. A hundred percent. Oh, man. Uh, actually, now no. You know what? Worth- butter beer. Oh, and I really just want to go back to Universal. I was saying, no. Werther's definitely has has to have butterscotch too. There's no way they don't. They'd have mm. the whole market cornered. Yeah, but isn't it like not called that? Isn't it? I'm pretty sure it's like something like caramel candy. Uh, it, what, what I'm saying is, I think they have both. Oh, okay, okay. But I think we were led to believe that our grandparents had a butterscotch in their pocket, but I think what they actually had. Was a caramel? Is that one of those things that like old people do, where it's like, get me a Kleenex, but it's not Kleenex brand? Oh yeah, I don't like that. <laughs> that bothers me. That's a pet peeve of mine. Yeah, uh, there's really only off the top of my head one thing I can think of that I name by the brand, despite never being the brand, and that's band aids. Band aid. Yeah. I don't say get me a band aid. No one's saying medical adhesive. I don't say bandage. <laughs> I say band aid. Right, right, and that's fair. I say tissue, I say refrigerator, because it's a distinctly old person thing to call it a frigidaire, despite it not being a frigidaire. I have never heard that. I've heard old people say it once or twice. Oh, did you say you've heard old people? (laughs) Yes, I have heard old (laughs) so many old people. (laughs) I bet you didn't know that I moonlight as a track and field star. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, Uh, where, yeah, what's what else? What else you got? Kleenex, oh. Kleenex, I've definitely heard. Yeah, um, don't like that one. That one bothers me. Band Aid doesn't bother me. Um, no, I think that's pretty standard at this it's point. It's fine. Uh, I, I know there's a bunch one. of other ones that like like people do, and I can't think of any off the top of my head. But I know it's like a pretty common occurrence, and people it does drive me nuts in a little bit. Jersey say Taylor ham when they mean pork roll. <laughs> that's a whole different thing. We don't want to piss off any Jersey that's, listeners. We have that's the whole thing. So, <laughs> uh, I mean, they're just wrong. Um, it <laughs> might. It might be. It's a possibility. It also might be a Kleenex. No. Well, I mean, yeah, sorry. But, sorry, yes, I see what you mean. No, I, so I was thinking of something else. Um, no, no, it might. I'm not saying that you might mistake Taylor Ham for a Kleenex. <laughs> no, that's not what I meant either. Well, you live right in the middle of the war zone, right? Isn't right where you live kind of the dividing line for where people say it? No, it's the whole state. No, but isn't there a north-south thing going on as to who calls it pork roll and no, who calls it? Calls no, not not really. The people might be a little bit more angry about it. I thought it, I thought there was, a, and I could have been wrong, maybe it was east-west, but I thought there was some sort of geographical delineation. No, not really. It's basically one of those weird things. It's like a weird Jersey thing where like, I, have, I hadn't even heard of it until I moved here. Like and the entire state seems to know about it. And I, he's just kind of holding it back from everybody else. It's funny because I definitely heard of it. I thought they were two separate things. No, no, they're not. They're- <laughs> well, that's the thing. It's like I was aware that there was a pork roll, and I was aware that there was a Taylor ham. I thought they were two separate, separate you know what, but similar things. What bothers me about it is more so that like, it, it, yes, like I said, it could be. It could be Taylor Ham, but it's probably not. And the reason why I say it's probably not is when you're slicing it off a log at a deli counter, you're getting that wholesale somewhere else. <laughs> I, I just, I mean, I worked at a restaurant. I know how this works. Yeah. That's also, it's like, it's not, uh, it drives you crazy. <laughs> George is getting upset. <laughs> of all the things to piss you off in this episode, anyway. I did not expect that. To if be. you had the box and you said that that's what you were having, I'd be like, fine. Fuck you, but that's fine. what we're having. <laughs> like, yes, I can see into your bathroom, and that is clearly a box of Kleenex. But right. also, but I would like a tissue. I would like. A tissue. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think a wet one. Wet one's another one. 
Yeah, I I but that, that one I'll allow because I've never actually seen another brand name other than Wet One. Also, yeah, because that's true. you know what? They asked for it, though, because Kleenex, like, yeah, it's got clean. It's spelled wrong. It's got the word clean in it, right? Mm. Wet One is such a generic brand name. Hmm. It's actually marketing genius is what it it's is. Like, it's, like, <laughs> it's like, you know, owning a car brand and, like, you call it the driving thing. You know what I mean? Like, let's get it. Let's hop in the driving thing. Like, right. like wet one is such a generic phrase. It's yeah. It's more so if a new car company came out cold car. It's like, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> let's hop in the car. Actually, it's a mercury. What yeah. is the show about? This beer is pretty good. That's where we were, right? Oh yeah. So <laughs> writing um, it back in. Yeah. Butterscotch Werther's beer no. that we're drinking. Tootsie roll. Give me Tootsie roll. <laughs> A little bit. <laughs> Sorry, we're playing weird broken telephone. <laughs> um, no, right. I don't smell any tootsie roll. Caramel, maybe even toffee. That's funny. Maybe mine's bad. Um, they were definitely it, from the same batch, so. It's sweeter than I prefer my beer to be. Yeah, but that's actually pretty common with doubles and triples, and that's going to mm. be the case with the beer that I just made. Did You You didn't say whether or not you liked the beer. Oh, no, it's solid. Um, <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, I like it. It's not my favorite example of this style, and I do like these Belgian-style beers. I made not exactly the same style, but something that's kind of similar. Uh, it's sitting uh, about 30 feet away from me right now. Um, that'll Hopefully that'll be pretty good. That one's going to be sweet, I think. Um, would be my guess. I don't know if it'll be more or less sweet than this. It'll definitely be lighter. This is a very dark example of a double. Um, it, would, it would be really screwed up if, like, you also taste Tootsie Rolls, but that's what you're going for in yours, and you just wanted me to not get there, so that when you, we have yours, I could say it again, and you'd be like, no, no, that's not <laughs> what you're talking about. <laughs> no, I'm definitely not, and actually, I wanted to get away from some of those caramel things. I actually think I've done too many things with caramel malt, where it was actually starting to bother me, because yeah. I was noticing too much commonality between some of my beers, where yeah. I felt like... No, I, I could see that. I uh, was like, I was I'm, afraid... I'm currently getting tired of my caramel coffee. So what do you give this beer? Uh, I don't know. I'd give this part of a thumb. Part part of part of a thumb. Yeah, maybe maybe a nubbin. Maybe one thumb and a long fingernail. I don't I don't know. One thubbin. <laughs> Ew. And I will give it a Zangief. A what? Zangief? I don't know what that is. In the Street Fighter movie, he does the sideways thumb. You mean like Gladiator? And yes, but it's really it's it's more adorable. And less indecisive. It, it it is it is meant to be positive, and then he learns that he's supposed to turn the thumb up by the end. Oh, of the so movie. it's like an aggressive, and like that's the it's, end. Yeah, of it. exactly. It's not like a wavering. Exactly. It's going to be up. It's going to no, be down. No, it's an aggressive horizontal thumb. But uh, that's what I'm going to give this one. That was but, a very '90s thing, wasn't it? It was. That's got to be on the list, right? Like that movie has to be on there. So let's get into some news and nuggets, or some nuggets. I don't think there's any news. <laughs> Is there news? Do you uh, have a news? I, I'm curious. How about how about some speculation on news? Mm. Um, we got what May, May 4th is sometime next week. Yeah, maybe we'll get some Star Wars news. Now maybe it won't be anything earth shattering, right? Maybe well, it'll I just think be we'll get something. Some little nuggets about you know, hey, this is where we're at with the new this. Maybe we get a teaser trailer for Mandalorian season Absolutely. two. I I feel like that's a no brainer. Like a I real like we'll one. A, maybe we yeah. get an update on. The Obi Wan show and the Cassian Endor show, and this, you know there was a big update a few weeks ago, right, about the the whole uh, the High Republic age, where they announced all the they were doing books and comic books and stuff like mm. that. 
Because, uh, you know, eventually, if they're going to devote so much time and resource to all those, you know, there was basically a trailer for them writing a bunch of books and comics. You know something, either a video game, um, yeah, a, a movie, a show, something is going to be set in that age. Otherwise, they wouldn't be devoting something big. We're going to get some we're going to get some giant drop yeah, of information. Like, of like one writer writing one thing or even one like couple of books, whatever, isn't going to like necessarily mean everything's going to be around that. But if they're going to unleash, you know, a thousand ships in our direction, you know, on yeah. that age of time, like of, of the time period, there has to be multi multimedia stuff going on there. hundred percent. So I maybe we'll get if, an, a tease as to where that could be going. You think we'll get it before what, what that, what, what day is the fourth? Uh, I don't know. Do you have a calendar? Uh, I was wondering <laughs> if it was going to be before our next episode or not. You got a little paper desk calendar? It's not going to be before our next episode. <laughs> uh, it is. Oh, sorry. Yeah, it is. It is Monday. All right. Um, All right. Okay, so, cool. So we might actually have news next week. Holy Mon- shit. We're Mon- back. Monday, we're back, baby. Monday, <laughs> Monday's a big day. You got uh, May the 4th. You got Cinco uh-huh. de Cuatro. It's a, it's a great day. I'm sorry? Cinco de Cuatro? <laughs> is this a thing, though? Uh, do you not recall Cinco de Cuatro from uh, Arrested Development? Oh, no, I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> they had this whole, uh, their whole uh, um, holiday that came up around them being pissed off by all of the Mexicans who were celebrating Cinco de Mayo. Oh, who, right. And so oh they created God, their... How can I forget? They created their own holiday that would occupy them so that they couldn't celebrate Cinco de Mayo. So it's incredibly so racist. Oh, it was God. so fucked up. That, that show was... Just, oh, my God. So, well, you know what? Diving right into things that are near and dear to your heart. I thought you were diving into things that were incredibly racist. It's like, wow, this show's like a turn. I am officially on the second season of Scrubs. Man, what a show. I, oh God, I love it so much. It's so good. It's so funny that this is something that I I wasn't aware of or like super into when it was on. It would have been, it definitely probably would, it would have been like up there for me, like with friends and all that stuff, because I feel like even then it would have, it would have really like grabbed my attention, but it's 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 a shame that I missed it then. I'm very happy to have all of it at my fingertips. Now. Well, the problem was like, you know, whether it be Friends or this, um, like they aired when we were too young. Yeah, probably. Well, I meaning like when the show started, <laughs> like you weren't gonna yeah. pick up Scrubs at 11 years old. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I don't know. There's there's enough humor in there that you probably would have found it funny. Probably, honestly, just their motion and like the way they deliver jokes is funny. Sure. So, like, you would, at that age, you'd probably find it, you'd find it silly. Well, I guess my point would be, like, because, like, for me, my only exposure to, to Scrubs and Seinfeld was because my parents watched it. Oh, interesting. So, if my parents watched Scrubs, then I would have watched it, and then it would have become my show, too. You know what I mean? Like, that's mm-hmm. how I started watching 24. My mom loved 24. Sure. I started watching it with her, and then it became my show, too. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and Scrubs, the majority of its run, I remember... My first actual exposure to I wasn't even aware of it, really. My first exposure to it was, like, in middle school, like, halfway through the run, um, or maybe even, like, I was, like, freshman in high school or something like that, where I would come home and it was syndicated on Comedy Central during the day, like, the yeah. older seasons. So I would yeah. just throw it on occasionally because it was funny because, like, I had a couple of friends who were like, oh, this is a good show. Like, you know, mm-hmm. that's what you do when you're 14, 15 years old. You come home from school and you put on Comedy Central. 
<laughs> um, you know, so I would watch a handful of episodes, but it was like five seasons in. So it's not something I would think to like start watching live. Sure. Um, and I remember watching a couple episodes actually when it was ending. Cause that was later when I was in high school. Um, and then like a year later, I noticed I found on my TV for whatever, you know what it was? Cause it was around that time we changed over from time Warner to, to direct TV. Mm-hmm. And I had WGN, which is like a Chicago oh like based yeah. station, which like, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes you have it, sometimes you don't, but it's very like Chicago centric. That's where they air like the White Sox game, the Cubs games. Mm-hmm. Um, and they used to syndicate that at night from like 10 p.m. to 1 a.m. or something like that. And like nice. I used to like flipping through the channels like, you know, when you're it's like in the summer, you know, you're like, yeah, you know, it's like a Tuesday night. You're trying to go to sleep. You're just watch, looking for something to watch. Like I had a TV in my room and oh scrubs is on i'll like watch that and i realized they were literally playing them in chronological order yeah. they'd play like six episodes on a monday night and then they'd play the next six episodes on a tuesday night so yep. once i realized that i set up my dvr to record every single one of them and i watched through the whole show like that maybe a year or two after it went we off we used to air. have to work a lot harder right for this <laughs> so that's I- how i came to, to love it. You know, it was really in my wheelhouse when I was like 18, 19 years old. I had something similar with, with friends where I watched like the last two or three seasons as they were airing, but the rest of it was through syndication and, uh, and you know, the book of four or five DVDs. <laughs> nice. <laughs> actually, I believe you definitely had a VHS, cousin, didn't you? Definitely. Yeah. I'm actually, I'm not sure if I had a VHS, but my cousin had lent me a couple of like, the best ofs, which was just another weird thing that happened where there was like the best of season two and it's like eight of the best episodes, like eight of the funniest. And it's just a, it's just such a strange thing. Well, that's such like a a bygone age of TV because like so many of those shows were like, well, not procedural, but like episodic, you know what I mean? Where it's like, you didn't necessarily have to watch the episode before, and Scrubs was kind of lived in the best of both those worlds because they'd have like a season long arc, which I know that like those existed, obviously, with friends oh, yeah. and stuff like that. But it felt more central to what was going on on an episode by episode basis. But like you could still watch. There was still a handful of episodes a season you could watch and have almost no knowledge of that. Uh, and then yeah. there was other episodes that would have totally derailed your knowledge of what was going on because they were so the only, story. The only time that that's an issue is if it's a if there's a to be continued situation going on with those. Otherwise, so far from what I've seen is like you could drop you could drop in at any point except for maybe the the four episodes that were like there were two it, there were two consecutive ones. It it graduates from being the hybrid model in the first few seasons to by the time you're into the third and really into the fourth where it almost swings all the way back on the pendulum to oh, interesting. almost serialized. Like there's still random episodes where you don't have to know anything. Right. Yeah. But for the most part, it felt like the story really took hold. And I think that was like the writer's room realizing that they had so many more in-depth stories they wanted to tell. Mm-hmm. Um, because like, you know, like you said, there's still like times where, you know, maybe you'd be a little lost on, but if they give you an A and a B and a C storyline or whatever, right? You know, maybe you jump in and out of things and it's only the one storyline that's affecting it. I feel like you'd have an A and B storyline that tied together to the main story and then a C storyline that was just fun for that episode. Yeah. Like yeah. you have, you know, relationship drama with these couple of people and work drama with these couple of people. And then the janitor and Turk and Ted and Todd 
are in an airband that gets banned by Dr. Kelso. And that only existed for that one episode, really, except for like a callback at one point much later on in the show. But it's there have been there's already been like a decent number of callbacks, which I really appreciate, like when they're when they know the audience is paying attention and they write a joke in that doesn't matter if it doesn't land. It's not really for everybody. It's only for the people paying attention. And it's like it's so quick that it doesn't take up any time. But it's very funny if you catch them. So you said you finished two seasons or you're in the second no, season? No, no. We just we're starting the second season. So what was the first episode of the second season? No, we're starting it. Like that's the one that we're Oh, oh sorry. Sorry. I thought you meant good. like you like are really no, 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 episode no, two in. Um okay. because uh, <laughs> I'm trying to remember that a lot of it blurs in my mind now because they're long seasons. And you yeah, almost like even, 24 episodes. Yeah, so you they almost sometimes even start to break up into like eight episode arcs or half season arcs in yeah, your own, in your own mind, especially if you mm-hmm. watch them in succession. But one of the season premieres, I think, unless it was the halfway premiere, it was either the premiere of season two, the halfway of season two, or the premiere of season three. There's an episode where the first several minutes is Colin Hay playing his song Overkill over the whole like first few minutes of the episode uh-huh. as one of my favorite episodes. Cause it picks up directly after the finale, like the aftermath of like the episode preceding it. Okay. Uh, and it feels really like a, Hey, remember where we left off and this is where it we're feels at. Like but- that'll probably be season two's opening then because man, it did that end with a bang. Like, so it was intense. I think that's what it was. Season one, it ends with all of them coming together. Right. And then it all blows and- up. And then getting shredded. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it is the next episode you're going to watch, I'm pretty sure. The episode's awesome. titled My Overkill. Okay. And it's Colin Hay. You know who Colin Hay is, right? Do mm-hmm. you know the song? Yeah. Okay, it, it, it's him playing. I think you'll really enjoy that opening if you know the song and you know him and everything. Uh, he actually shows up in that show a couple of different times. Like, he himself <laughs> shows up in the show. Okay. There's another one where there's a random cutaway to JD thinking about someone giving birth. And he's in the the room, the delivery room, and Colin Hay is birthed in full form, playing his Perfect. guitar, singing Perfect. I Come From the Land Down Under. Amazing. Um, it's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> it's in like season six or seven. <laughs> God. Oh, man. No, but it really, it's, the show's got me hooked, where it could be so, so funny, and then they'll just like hit you with. Just like one oh, they'll stab you right in the fucking heart. Tense emotional storyline, or even like a one-liner that just leaves you going, "Oh man." My favorite <laughs> like episode. My my favorite episode of the whole run is actually one of the darkest episodes in the whole show, mm. and it's just it's like if you think it was like oh someone dropped a hand grenade in the middle of the room and then just yelled yell run and then just watched what the chaos like this is this puts that to shame. This makes that look yeah. like a single firecracker. Um, it's just it's a it'll literally eviscerate you. Oh man! And you know what? You know what already did that was uh, my old the, lady. The Brendan Fraser episodes. Have you seen? Do you recall those? That those were all in the first season. Yeah. They, well, there's, it's it was two of them in a row with him getting. He has leukemia. They find out that he has leukemia, and then like in the process of them finding out. You see JD goes through all this pr- trouble to like make everybody double check, make sure that it's right. And then that yeah. entire half of the episode was in his head. And like that really, I was like, oh, too heavy. <laughs> but then he gets better. Yeah, that's true. He did. He did. But it was like that. the way that had played out, though, was like it really you get blindsided. Yeah, it's good. 
Actually, that sets up for a great confrontation, too, when he goes to ask the doctor to check again. Yeah. And they're like, oh, he's such a, like, uh, he's going to, like, tear your fucking nuts off, like, all this sort of stuff. And, and he, you know, he gets up on his face. He's like, because you think I'm wrong or because you want me to be. (laughs) Yeah. I kind of just want you to be. And he does it for him. Like, that's, like, even that, like, tugs on your heartstrings. Like, oh, Mm -hmm. God. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's too much. It's too much. <laughs> you know, I don't remember what was making me think about it earlier today, too. But John C. McGinley needs to be added to our comedic actors who can do in sold. Put him on the list. He's in our. He's on our list. It's we need so to write good. this list down one day because our list is getting too long to remember everyone who's on it. For sure, we'll we'll do an episode of the people on that list. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, we'll 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 write a draft synopsis of our dream movie with all of the i kept did you see what happened there it was too ambitious (laughs) and i kept knocking it down a little bit of a a draft synopsis of our dream movie with all of them (laughs) (laughs) oh man and then we'll have to like i don't know we'll make a game out of it we'll have to cut two members of the list and that's going to be a tough decision to make like (laughs) yeah it's going to be rough but anyway, that, that cast is great. The writing is great, even for that sort of show. And, it, and the show grows up over time. Like, it's... Yeah. Even though, like, maybe there's a little bit of, like, fat that needs to be trimmed in later seasons. Like, it's... they. I don't think they ever really got tired. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, it's just... There was just so much... They constantly tried to raise the stakes. Sure. And I appreciated well, that. Because it never gets... It's tough, though. It never gets super cheesy, though. Like, they never have an actual jumping the shark moment. You know what I mean? Like, it yeah, still yeah. feels grounded in what made it what it was. And it's these real people who have strengths and weaknesses. And largely, over the course of it, you know, they get to a point where they're strong enough to overcome them. And part of getting strong enough to overcome them is them all growing up. Even the ones mm. of them who are older need to grow up some. Sure. And them learning to let the right people in to trust to help get through it together um it's it's just it's a it's a it's a delightful show yeah i uh i, I do have to give we have to pause for a moment to talk about the janitor who is just a tremendous human being and uh the first off the way that they uh they did this whole cyclical thing where like the start of the season with jd encountering him for the first time and then yep. the new intern encountering him at the very yep. end with the same thing was perfect uh, the one episode, though, in the past few that really got me, I, I was hysterical before it even happened, was the janitor is saying things to JD, deep, personal things about his life. And JD is like, how do you know that? Like, it started off with, OK, you have the key. You got my personal file and you know, like, where I live and who my parents are. And then he says, like, something about him. I don't know. Like, uh, oh, his first kiss with so-and-so. And uh, I wonder if she still thinks about it. She doesn't. <laughs> and he goes how did you know that and he, and he like speeds up and walks away and at the very end of the episode and this is where they they, they should have left it at the very end of the episode he's writing in his journal and i went oh my god that's amazing they didn't even have to show it they do they show the janitor then go to the locker and open it up to read his journal but if they didn't show it that would have been enough <laughs> uh, like to piece that together <laughs> oh man it what a he's got oh there was another one that really again, the show's been has has had me in stitches a few times and one is the janitor is so blunt uh even when he's being sincere that it seems like he's being sarcastic and like 
a defensive and like you know with his defense mechanism and the, this one came down to the janitor telling jd i and then he's sorry and he's like oh he's like uh do you want to get so jd like asked him like if he wants to get a beer after work and he goes oh maybe we should go to a baseball game together and uh, we could share a popcorn and he goes all right geez and he walks away and he goes and the janitor pulls out the two tickets yeah. in his pocket. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is there are so many times where he does that and that's probably the only one that's truly sincere. I think there's a lot of times cuz cuz JD doesn't see the tickets, right? The only no, the audience No, he sees doesn't the see tickets. them. Yeah. Only the audience sees the tickets, but there's other times later on where the janitor does the same setup and you're expecting the same thing like, "Oh man, this is just misconnections." And you realize he has come into the scenario with the with that thing held hostage so that he can hit JD over the head with it at the end. Like, you know what I mean? Where sure. like it won't be him showing the audience the tickets. The next time it'll no, be now to show JD the tickets. You yeah, know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I, he's just a great character though. It's so funny. I he love is. it. I really love it. It's I, now that's a show I can't wait to go back and put on. And then like you put it on and then you're halfway through a season. Yeah, I don't know how anyone could not love this show. I mean, it may not be your favorite show. Like, there may be shows that you prefer over it, and that's fine. Yeah. But how you could do anything less than enjoy the show, I don't understand. It literally has something for everyone. It's got a great cast. It's, they all get some time in the limelight. Even though JD is the main character, it becomes truly an ensemble between him and Elliot and Turk and Carla and Dr. Cox and even you the janitor and jordan and kelso like they all become kind of maybe in the second tier but like they all get their own Mm storylines there's a storyline about dr kelso maybe being too old and needing to move on maybe being forced to move on you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. and they spend time with that that's cool that's cool is the does the todd still just remain Oh, he's the worst. Secondary. He's right. the worst from. Yeah. Okay, from good. Um, I mean, he's the he's the worst in the best possible way. Yes, no, he's always a second. Oh my yeah. god! The episode where we find out that the Todd, just the douchiest of human beings, is the best surgeon. Yes, is <laughs> awesome. And even I think Doctor Wen even basically says what makes him the worst is also what makes him the best. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yep. Exactly. He's like he's something about him living in the moment, and mm-hmm. then uh, then. Uh, I don't know, uh, Turk is, is thinking 12 steps ahead and he's in his head and he's saying things about like how he's preparing for the surgery they're about to do and they quick cut to Todd and he goes, shiny scaffold in my hand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does seem early on that they might queue up Todd to become one of the main ensemble and, and he's not. He's in the show from start to finish but he's never more no, than No, I don't think he should player. be. That's why I was hoping that he stays in just... In in his wheelhouse, yes. really, is where I want <laughs> No, they deploy him in just the right amount. Even the janitor gets storylines later on in the show. Like, he gets his own arcs. Ted gets his own arcs. Like, Nice. Nice. Oh, man. It's a great show. I'm excited to get back to it. Uh, uh, we have paused on The Sopranos for a few days while we watched that. Okay. Uh, and it is really just the most wonderful palate cleanser. Because I think... I was just down and angry a lot. And it was because of that show. (laughs) Well, it's an angry show about angry people. So if you didn't feel a little angry while watching it, then I think that you might be doing something wrong. Yeah. Um, So that's totally normal. It's probably the type of thing, right? Where watch a, watch a Soprano, watch two scrubs, watch a Soprano, watch two scrubs. Like, yeah, it's, it's gotten to the point where like, I actively root for people to die in the show and like, want it to be hard to watch. 
You know, like I want to. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, especially especially like some of the people who who get posed as like antagonists. Like, sure. What? Where are you at about you in like the third season? No, we're in the like the middle of the fourth, I think. Oh, okay. So yeah, like if you're not actively rooting for Richie April to get killed, like you're doing something wrong. Like if you're not right, right. If you're not rooting for for Ralph Sofaretto to get killed, like you're doing something wrong. Like right. When and like when like as much as I, I mean, I'm rooting for Tony's sister to get killed above most oh, people in the so show. Um, so but when he punched her, when Richie punches her in the face, I was like, is this gonna be the scene? <laughs> and it was, and I'm so happy about it. <laughs> yeah, you know what? That was one of the great miscalculations of all time, right? Because, like, like sure, like you think you're a tough guy, and no one's gonna go against you or whatever. But you have to realize what brand of crazy she is. Mm-hmm. Like, like that's not gonna fly. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, or and even goes so far as to say, like, you know, they're all of the type where it's like, you know, once they were they married, I forget. Mm, engaged okay they were talking about getting married okay yeah um like forget about those rules where it's like okay he now she belongs to him or whatever like with like that old fucking like archaic yeah, bu- yeah. bullshit you know that if she doesn't kill you tony's gonna kill you yeah like yeah. you don't you don't punch his sister in the face like that's not yeah. that's not gonna work the uh another character um a lot of characters i hate hate i hate pretty much the entire I mean, on purpose. Like they, they they're written that way. Yeah, um, like you're supposed to. That, that's that's that, that's the thing that drove David Chase insane. Was he's like, these are the worst, most terrible people in the world. Why are you rooting for them? You're supposed to hate them. Oh yeah, well that's the thing. People have been saying that a lot lately. Show where you root for the bad guy, or where, or that you. I don't root for any of these characters. Uh, it's not true. There's one character that I root for, and it's the only character that I actually like, and that's Bobby. Just this. Oh, Bobby Bacala. <laughs> Uh, he's just wonderful. He's just, he seems like the sweetest guy. And in the moment where like, you're like, he's, is he even in the mob? Like, what's his deal? You're like, what's the, like, does he do anything bad? And then he just like, he just like says five words to a guy on a union. And that guy then does what he says. And I was like, that was intense. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know what the funny thing is, is like, especially in the first like season or so that Bobby's in it. Cause he's not in the first season. Maybe he's in it for two seconds. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and he starts off as like Junior's errand boy, and mm-hmm. um, you know he's posed, especially when you in conflict with or with Junior and with with Tony around. He's like, what's his name? He's like Robbie, you know, the guy who plays Robbie in New Girl in Veep. Like that's who they mm-hmm. give you basically yeah. in the first season or two that he's in it, and then he becomes an actual, honest to god, real character in the show after that. And it's like, oh, like there is something more to him other than being yeah. literal punching bag. Mm-hmm. There was a great episode though where Junior is slowly starting to decay, and he's watching TV and he's watching Curb Your Enthusiasm. Yeah, which is great. Is that Bobby? <laughs> Bobby's on the TV, <laughs> and he thinks he's Larry, right? Yeah, I think so. He says, uh, "Am I on the TV?" <laughs> it's funny because he does look like Larry a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, that shows too much, um, and I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it being over. Yeah, I mean that's fine. Like I said, it it definitely does weigh on you. It's supposed to. You definitely hate the characters. You're supposed to. Um, and if you can't find like overwhelming enjoyment in that, like I can understand because it is it is a dark show. Like I said, there were times where you know I'd watch say two episodes back to back, and I'm like, oh, you know, maybe those two episodes were too much. I need to give myself a day or two, mm-hmm. um, and then I'd get back to it. Or like you know, if I was at work, you know, I normally crush 
four or five episodes or something. And maybe I would only watch one or two that night and I would go into something else for a little bit and then, yeah. okay, let me dip my toe back in. I can maybe come back for one more Soprano. Like it, you know, it is what it is. Um, yeah, but I, I so we we, t- we took a break from it for a few days. We caught up on an entire season of Scrubs and then like we're still weren't ready to go back into it and uh, caught up on like the last two episodes of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And I've told you this a million times. I, I heard one of the recent time. ones was like maybe one of the best they've ever done. It, they have they figured it out. They figured out every character. They know how to write them all perfectly. They're done. They should end the season because they've peaked. Wow. Like it's so good right now. <laughs> it's so funny, <laughs> and I I do think that it would be right up your alley if you got. I, I'm not. I can't remember the very 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 early seasons though. So I don't remember. I remember always enjoying it. I definitely don't remember enjoying it as much as I enjoy it right now. Well, so I, I, I do wonder. Is it still the same showrunner? Because I know they ch- switch networks. Obviously, uh, I'm not sure actually. Uh, but even before they switched networks, it it was very good. Well, it's not uncommon for those. It's it's such a paradox, right? Because it's not uncommon for those sorts of shows to have a really rough start and then find their swing. But sometimes they don't make it to the point of getting into the swing. And I wonder, like, when you look at a show like that, and I'm not saying it was as rough in the beginning, or like we've talked in the past about Parks and Rec, where like the first mm. season is almost unwatchable. Yeah. Uh, and the only reason I stuck with it was because I'd seen a handful of episodes in like the third or fourth season. And I was like, this is a really funny show, so I'll just hang on until I get there. Like, I do know there is light at the end. Of, I know for a fact there's light at the end of the tunnel, yeah. right? Yeah, it's a, it, at the end of the tunnel is Paul Rudd smiling. Yeah, and it's like, how, <laughs> how can it be so starkly different, right? Like, yeah. even, it's funny, my first impression of the pilot of Shit's Creek, I didn't get it at all. Yeah. I watched it again a few weeks later. I had already watched the whole first season. I watched it again a few weeks later with my brother and his girlfriend who wanted to get into the show. And I liked it so much better than I was like to the point where I was like, I don't even remember why I didn't like this. Like, it's definitely not as funny as what comes after it, but it's like, I'm with you. I think it has something to do with, um, you have to give them while in a lot of situations, it is bad. Like right now, if you were to go rewatch the first season of parks and rec, it's, it is still tough to get through. It's not like, there's a couple of funny things with something like Shit's Creek. It wasn't that they had like needed the time to figure out the characters. It's like they knew and you just weren't in on it yet. Yes. That's part of it. Well, the other thing though, is it took them like, an episode and a half. Like, by the right, time the not second... A season. <laughs> by the time the second episode was fully in swing, it's like, I could already see, like, okay, like we're going somewhere now, and then yeah, like, you're yeah. into the third episode, and, like, you're just watching the show. No, sorry. No, it's in the second season. The second... or Sorry, it's in the second episode. In the second episode is the one where they go see the, sound, the sign outside of town. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, there are immediately, like, really right. fun... And, like, you're getting a... Like a... a, a like a feel for how the setup and delivery of jokes works, what the punchlines, where they're going to come and you know, what these characters are about and, and what sort of mixes of them can work to the point where like, I don't know how a show could be so off like parks and parks. Isn't the only show that's like that, which is a really rough and scrubs does it like, it's not perfect, but almost infinitely better than parks does in the first season. Now, admittedly it's like three times as many episodes, but still, from the first, I remember pretty, like, the first three or four episodes, what they were. And it has some of that Shit's Creek, 
like setup where it's like, okay, we you just need you to hang on for a second to understand who these characters are. Yeah. But there are still jokes that work without having a deep bank of knowledge on these people in the situations yet. There mm-hmm. are things that like it's just better written. And yeah. I don't understand how that could be like such a stark difference like that with someone who so clearly is brilliant. Um, and it's obviously it's a group of writers, right? Mike Schur wasn't the only writer. Right. Harris Whittles was a huge part of the success of Parks and Rec. He wasn't the only one. And right, right. the thing is, after he died, the show was still really funny. So mm. it's not like he was the only secret sauce in there. Yeah. So I'm always confused when that sort of thing happens. And like I said, well, Parks... No, I think, I think that's a really good, though, right? Because you can if you can identify those things, then sometimes it's just a bad episode. And sometimes it's just a bad season. But it's hard when the first season's a bad season. It is. It's very hard. <laughs> it's very hard. And you don't, honestly, like, you don't... It, you can't really blame a drop-off if that's the case. Like... I don't know. The good place was is another one where I actually think it's it's the uh, it's similar to Shit's Creek where if you were to go and re- if you watch the good place and then you were to go rewatch it like those earlier episodes are so much are funny because they they did they had the characters they and like they knew what they wanted them to be and how they wanted to them how they wanted them them to be and there's no ramp up time they well, just drop you in. Obviously, Mike sure learned from his yeah. failings in Parks and Rec, exactly. and I'm glad that he had the reason like the ability and the space to do that. And it's just like. That that is the problem with the first season is like sure there's issues with the writing or whatever but the problem is the characters suck yeah every every main character is totally one note mm-hmm. and you you can't survive that no I mean there's depth to the characters in Shit's Creek despite the fact that they're all the, with the exception of Johnny maybe the worst people ever when the first episode <laughs> comes around yeah you, you start to see after the first episode there are pieces of real human beings in there, even mm-hmm. if they've lost touch with that humanity. In Scrubs, you're introduced to the predominant factor, JD's, um, I don't know, like super uh, dweeby. <laughs> Elliot's, oh, he's like, uh, Elliot's super insecure. Turk is yep. overconfident. Dr. Cox is a dick. Like, But there is something more to each of them, and it's a, yeah. on display from the very first episode. Yeah. And then you get an opportunity to see that full picture develop over time and that picture change over time. Mm hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. And then, like, but like, there's, I'm trying to think, like, I don't normally, what's a show where they don't, can you think of a show where you've went through and they never really fully recovered from it? What do you mean? Uh, like in like, the first season? Or, yeah, like, ha- have you ever stuck with something that you thought maybe they, like, giving it the chance because you know that first seasons or first episodes can be bumpy and then by the end of it, you were like, it wasn't worth it? Uh, at the end of a first season or like a whole show? The whole show. <sighs> yeah, I feel like I have. But I think they were shorter run shows because sure. they didn't recover. <laughs> because they didn't work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm, trying to, I'm struggling to think of one now. But as soon as you're like, as you're saying, I'm like, yeah, I feel like I've definitely gone through that. Like, but I contrast like what goes on with, with, with Parks early on and the, the successes of something like Scrubs or like you're saying The Good Place as opposed to when you say sometimes there's just a bad episode, sometimes there's just a bad season, right? Mm. New Girl is the best example that I can think of. Oh. First season, really good. Second season, really good. Third season, train wreck. They yeah, just I don't even remember I don't remember the the layout of the seasons, but I do remember there's definitely a dip. A lot of it blurs in my mind too, but basically 
from the moment that Nick and Jess get together, mm. it doesn't work because the show doesn't know how to write it. It stops becoming right. funny. Mm-hmm. There's just episodes where you just like sit in the fact that they're just a couple. Like that is the the point of the episode is they're a couple. Yeah. yeah, and it's like what sort of hijinks are they gonna get up to? But there are no hijinks, or the the hijinks aren't like targeted. And then they break up, and it's not because the characters weren't a match. It's just because they didn't know how to write them being a match. Yeah, yeah. Because so by the end of there. the show, they figure it out, right? And you know what? Thank God you stuck with that, though, right? Because if you don't stick with that, you don't get got you cookie, gave you cookie. <laughs> <laughs> but that's my point is they knew what worked in the show. And yeah. they figured out, oh, God, we can't make this work. Let's get rid of it. Because we do know how to do the thing that works occasionally. Let's just go back to that. And sure, like, it felt cheap. Like, I mean, like, people break up and get back together on shows all the time. Um, and usually, when there's a good show, there's, like, reasons for that. Mm-hmm. And not just, we don't know how to do this. <laughs> right. Um, but they climbed back. I almost dropped that show. The third season was bad. Mm-hmm. And I was watching that live at that point. I didn't watch the first season live. I think I caught up to and picked up sometime in the second season. Uh, okay. Or for the start of the third season. Um, and I'm glad I stuck with it because I had actually a couple of friends who loved the show who did drop it during that time. And mm-hmm. I was like, you guys got to come back to the fold. Like, <laughs> come back. It's gotten better again. And they're like, okay, like, I'll just, give it a shot. You just give them a cookie and you're like, you'll know soon. <laughs> <laughs> no, and then they're like, I'm glad I came back. Like, it was brutal, but like, they've figured it out again. And, it's like, and yeah. they did. And then eventually they grew up enough to know how to write it better. It is. It, that show really was something special because there are there are clips and lines from that show that will pop into my head out of nowhere and I'll just chuckle. <laughs> like I'll like I'll catch a glimpse of like a, a mole and I'll and I'll think of the scene with Schmidt being talking to CC. I think he's talking to CC and she's like, "You ever think about how you'll like how you're going to die or something along those lines?" It's like I know how I'm going to die. One of these moles is going to turn green and that's going to be the old end of old Schmidt. <laughs> <laughs> one I always think of and it's such a stupid line and I think it was when Jess and Nick were dating the first time and but it was early on when like it hadn't really sunk in like oh god this is a train wreck then um, they have uh, what's the name Rob Reiner was on you know playing Jess's father mm-hmm. and she didn't want him to tell the dad that they were together yet because she hadn't told him and right. he comes over and he's staying and and he goes, you can't leave me alone with him. I'm going to crack. And she goes, okay, it's fine. We'll just come up with some excuse. And he goes, she, cause she had to run out and do something. I don't remember what it was. And so she's right. like, oh, I'm going to leave. And he goes, oh, it's okay. Like, I'll just hang out with Nick. And he's like, shit. And he's like, uh, no, no, I can't. I am busy. And he goes, with what? And he goes, documents. <laughs> yes. I have yeah. documents. <laughs> he goes, he goes, documents. He goes, yes, I have documents. <laughs> <laughs> Oh uh, man, Nick Nick had some great ones, uh, including but not limited to why should I pay for the Wi-Fi if I don't use the Wi-Fi? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, he, he he cracks me up. Uh, it'll also when they figure uh, Winston goes nuts by the end of the series, and uh, it's just a great thing to watch him <laughs> go crazy. Yeah, there was you're a... not a super fan of that. But I wasn't that. a parent. No, I didn't love him in the middle of the show because. And it was when Coach joined the show, there was just too many characters. 
Yeah. And so it basically meant too many cooks. <laughs> it basically meant for like an entire episode. We don't know what to do with cook this uh, coach this episode. Cook. We don't know what to do with coach this episode. Okay, this episode we don't know what to do with Winston this episode. Okay, we're gonna have a six episode arc where Winston's just gonna be totally irrelevant. And it's like, guys, figure it out. Like, just make it work. And yeah. then when Coach left, they were able to get back into like, okay, guys, we've had three different versions of Winston, and none of them have really worked. So let's find one where he's just gonna be nuts. And like, it started getting funny eventually. I did enjoy him later on. I love myself a good a classic Winston and CC mess around. Oh yeah, so good, um, so good. But yeah, I don't know. There was a period in the middle of the show where Winston wasn't doing it for me. Yeah. But he's definitely completely back by these are my favorite brown shoes. <laughs> <laughs> Winston, those are green. <laughs> they're, they're brown, like Kermit the Frog and money. <laughs> <laughs> that one was great. I love it. Um, other show, a uh, last thing on my list of things that I, I just um watched a little bit of one of the snl episodes before we got on um mostly watched like two skits and then fast forwarded for the weekend update and then ended it it's not it's it's a little difficult to watch without i watched the brad pitt as anthony fauci thing that's all i've seen yeah and uh i i always i always love weekend updates so but even even so like with their delay and the the lack of response from the audience, it is, it's a uh, bit, yeah, that one's tough. You need them sitting next to each other and you need the audience. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's tough. But... Cause there's so many times where you can see them break because of the audience. Oh like, yeah. There's times where they break because of the line as they're reading it. And there's times when they break because the, the audience just goes nuts. Well, you know how I think I've, I've brought this up to you before, but they do, I think it's at the end of the year, they'll do, um, the thing on the weekend update where each of the hosts will write jokes for the other one that they're not allowed to read until the airing. Are you sure they're not doing that every week now? I don't know if they're doing it every week now, but they did a they um they that's usually like a big thing that they do at the end of the year, like the at the season finale. Because I remember you saying that to me like last year, and I watched it happens a, ha- a couple times. I watched a handful of episodes in kind of quick succession because they had uh they had hosts that I wanted to see mm. and. It felt like that was what they were doing every week. Like, I, there oh, was a, no, it's, there it's was a, definitely, it's definitely not every week because when they do it, it's like announced as a game that's about to happen. Oh, because like in Jan, I think it was in January. Like all of a sudden, they start off the year with like there was like three guests in the first four that I really want. It was like Adam Driver, JJ mm-hmm. Watt, and Daniel Craig were like three of the four like episodes in a like in like a quick succession. It was you know a few weeks before they started canceling them, and yeah. I. Felt like I, every time I watched Weekend Update, and, and this was the first time in years that I was watching them like week by week. Yeah, yeah. It felt like multiple times they were breaking as they their eyes hit the lines on the prompter. And I do think that they fuck with each other sometimes and have them change it a little bit. That's what I was saying, like because it felt like the reaction is the way that you are when you see something for the first time. Yeah. Yeah, that's 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 true. But no, that's this is a specific thing that they do where they make the jokes bad. Like, well, yes, it wasn't all that per se, but okay. it felt like they were coming in blind to some of the lines they were reading. And well, anyway, for this this one, they did a uh, uh, there's like an all in campaign where if you donate the most amount of money, you get to write one for Michael Shea. Oh, uh, that's funny. And <laughs> so that was that. I, I'm looking forward to seeing that when it comes through. <laughs> but uh, that's 
pretty much what I'm watching. I can tell you what I'm not watching. What are you not watching? And I realized today, man, I miss Better Call Saul and devs. Oh, <laughs> right. Yeah. Especially yeah. Better Call Saul, I think, because in devs, it felt like the first four episodes were so out of this world. And the last four were good, but it felt like they really set a tone that they didn't necessarily carry the momentum through until like the very end. Mm-hmm. And but like Better Call Saul, those last four or five episodes of the season were out of this world. So like that was my most recent like thing was like, man, like just felt like every week ratcheted it up again. It's like, well, they can't get better than this. And then they did. And then they can't get better than this. And then they did. Yeah. Right I'm definitely the- on board for another uh, Saul and Kim mess around. <laughs> Dude, you know, I don't even think we talked about it last week, like specifically, but mm. like how horrifying those finger guns were. Like, I think we came up, yeah. but like, <laughs> we, did, we did talk about it. It's just, terrifying. I was like, I remember it coming up and I was just like, oh no. Something about like, <laughs> like also like the ang- it's not week. even like, it's the act, it's the portrayal, it's the, the delivery, and it is the, uh, it's the angle at which they shot that. Yeah. <laughs> like, the, like underneath, <laughs> I don't know, it was, it was messed yeah, up. Yeah, because it's shot basically from his perspective sitting at the bed. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and like, like, oh god. The look on her face for a second, like, as a, like, I'm, re- well, part of it is because, like, I've seen, like, gifts of that, like, floating around on the internet now. I've seen, like, yeah. someone. The eyes. They're crazy. <laughs> you know what it was? Is it, yeah. Um, it was Al- Alan Seppenwall, who I've mentioned before. He, you know, he writes for Rolling Stone, he, uh, covering TV. And um, he was saying, um, he, and I haven't even had a chance to read them. I just haven't had time. He, uh, at the end of the season, he dropped, uh, he had done a couple weeks before a big interview with, Ray Seahorn. Um, he did a big one with Golden and Gilligan. He did an, like a season wrap up, like all together. And so, like the other day, he was like, I'm really going to miss writing about, watching and writing about Saul because I don't know when we're going to get it back. It's not going to be a year. It's going to be a year and a half, two years. Right. And, you know, he goes, so in the meantime, and he took, you know that's the scene from A Star Is Born where he's like, he like turns around, he's like, you know, I want to get one more look or whatever. Yeah, he did that with Lalo sitting in the car yeah. and Kim doing the finger guns. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it's her right before she does it. He goes, I just want to get one more look, and then it's her, and, it, and then it's her doing the finger guns. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's great. Um, that's great. But yeah, I realized like, man, I miss Saul because I like, every week I was like, oh shit, what am I gonna do this week? And the next week it's like, oh god, what am I gonna do this week? Yeah. I, I I would definitely um I'm looking forward to that wrapping up, seeing how this whole thing plays out, and then honestly, I, I would I would we'll, we'll have to talk about this as a potential project for us, like a short term project, not a short term, a shorter project that won't go on forever, like this show will, because this show will go on forever. Um, but <laughs> where we do something with like maybe each episode or each season or each half season of Better Call Saul, because I think it's worth the deep dive. Yeah, I'd be down. I definitely am going to want to rewatch because at this point... Oh, yeah, 100%. I think um, we should watch it as we go. I think at this point, I really have forgotten a lot of the details of the first season because I haven't sure. revisited any of it since I watched it live. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's like five years Same. ago now. No, I'm with, I'm with you. I haven't rewatched a single episode. So, like, I've rewatched bits of it, like, when my brother was catching up, but, like, not anything substantial. Um but uh, as far as what I am watching, I got a chance finally uh, the other day, although I almost kind of fell asleep a little bit through one of the episodes. I was so tired. Um, I got to watch the beginning of what we're doing in the shadows. The new season. Oh, how was it? Um, so the f- <laughs> I, it, it does sound like you do want to get to it at some point. 
Yeah. There's something that happens at the end of the last at the end of the first season. Guillermo finds out stuff about his lineage and his Okay. And it affects his relationship with Nandor and Laszlo and Nadia and he has to keep that a secret from them. Okay. But it makes for some incredible hilarity. They've already added a bunch of new guest stars. The first episode of this new season had Haley Joel Osment, oh who God. is playing just a total douchebag. Uh, and he's Nadia and Laszlo's new familiar. And they chronicle at the beginning of the episode how all their familiars keep dying. And all of them die in the most spectacular what accidental ways. Like the first one was like trying to like like get something like off of like a post or was like hanging in the gutter and like Laszlo was like in his ear, like, come on, like do it already. And he slips off the ladder and falls and impales himself on the top of a wrought iron spike on the on the fence. Naturally. Um you know just all of like there's like four or five they're like, oh we found a new familiar. He's great. Um our last one died. Uh, after the one before that one died, the one before that one, and they were counting all the ridiculous, <laughs> like six of them died in the course of like five weeks oh, or something God. like that. Like it's like it's some so absurd, like, and it's just the two, like one of them actually forgot one of their names, like, <laughs> <laughs> and so Guillermo and uh, I don't even remember Haley Joel Osment's character's name, but the two of them just butting heads constantly. But the thing is, not only do the two of them love. Haley Joel Osment, who's a total sleaze, total suck up. Even Nandor loves him. Like every time he comes in, they're like, "Oh, like he's like he's here, like yeah." And like Gamera walks in, and they're like, "Like, eh. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so fucked up. So now Guillermo hates him, and what's his name? It's just like he just doesn't even care what Guillermo thinks. And Colin Robinson's just kind of there, floating in the background. He's um, he was uh, he's trying to practice new ways to to feed Colin Robinson's the energy vampire. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, he's, he's, I'm, I've now been practicing humor. <laughs> so he's writing are, terrible jokes. There are a handful of things that I remember so vividly from the handful of episodes that I watched and the way that they play him walking into a room and you feeling the energy drain yes. is like, they, like the actors nail it on screen every time. Yes. It's and, just like a, and he is so great. Yeah. He was a in visual side. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. He was in Better Call Saul too in the early episodes. In the Hummer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, he's so great in his like his understatement in in like his delivery mm. on a lot of these things, mm. and the way that he can go so monotone when he wants to when he's in energy. Like the the best is sometimes like he does it to he he's you know because the energy vampire is the only one who can feed on an actual vampire, right? And Natural. some sometimes it takes them a second to realize it's going on. And there's times where like where he'll be doing it, and he goes, "By the way, I'm feeding on you guys right now." They're like, "Stop!" <laughs> <laughs> and but there's a way like it's so great. Sometimes like what you said, like he's like he's walking through a room and feeding, and you see him walking, and all of a sudden he'll just go and he'll look at the camera over his shoulder, and he just got this face, and I was like, "Oh my god, <laughs> it's horrifying!" <laughs> and like they'll like they'll play with like the way like his eyes like reflect in like the camera and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um. So he uh, he cracks me up. He he spends the whole I think it was the whole first episode trying to get someone to do the you know what's up dog yeah <laughs> he's been the whole episode trying to get someone to do it <laughs> Stupid. So um, dumb. they go to a superb owl party <laughs> no. 
I really do have to watch this. What's his name? Uh, looks like what's his name is joining as. Um, it looks like he's joining as maybe a potential like recurring character, uh, Craig Robinson. Oh, thank God! Put him in everything. Yeah, he was in the first episode, and he wasn't in the second or third, but they made it pretty clear that him and another group of people are going to be recurring characters. He plays the character Doug Judy on Brooklyn Nine-Nine, and he is a reoccurring guest star. And it basically, the episodes with him are very different than the other ones. And, like, you don't know what's happening until he appears. And then when it's there, you're like, yes, we're getting another one of these. <laughs> it's like it's like Seth Rogen on The League is Dirty Randy. Yes, exactly. <laughs> like, you'll get... You'll get um, uh, Manzukis every once in a while, yeah. but it won't be it won't be like a show hijack. Like he just like implements with the rest of them, and like it's some ridiculous thing goes on. But when the Craig Robinson ones happen, they're just like these. There's like a you could connect all of the Craig Robinson episodes as like one series, basically, wow. and they're so good. <laughs> so yeah, the Pontiac that... Bandit. <laughs> <laughs> this, uh, the, yeah, this. It's they've already got right off onto the ground running uh, with this one. It's uh, it's been really good first few episodes so far. I, th- I think I've watched. I think there's only been three. The FX is doing this thing now where when a season starts, they're playing the first two episodes that night. Oh, weird. They okay. did it. They did it with Debs. There was the first two episodes on FX on Hulu. Um, oh, <laughs> Brian was so mad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. But yeah, I think they're doing that with like all their shows now. So the first two were out, but I had missed that one. And then the third one came out. And I think I watched all three of them over two nights. And I think the next one's tomorrow. Nice. All right. I'll I'll, I'll definitely have to pick that up. Um, the nice thing about that one is it's such like a quick. Yeah, it's a short show. Short watch. Although I know my cousin Mike. Hey, Mike um, said that he watched the whole first season. He had actually seen the movie okay. uh, and he said he, he prefers the movie. I don't. I mean, know. I definitely want to see the movie. Me too. I don't know if it's necessarily a show that's great in binge format. Hmm. I think it's a nice type of show where, like, you check in for an episode or two at a time. Yeah. So I feel like maybe you kind of get like a nerd. It's too much of that. Yeah, I think you just kind of get a nerd to like the like the like the pace of what they're doing. Yeah, um, I can see that. So I like it as like a weekly check in. Nice. Um, let's say you we get into some fun games. Um, actually, one last thing. Oh, he has a thing. Oh, two last things. Both he small has two things. things. Things I'm watching. One doesn't probably necessarily super interest you. I'm just going to mention it just because I am watching it. Um, The Last Dance, which is the 10 part documentary on Michael Jordan oh, yeah. and the Bulls' final championship, but it's also about like everything that led them to that moment, too. Sure. Really interesting watch, especially for me. Like, I'm not the biggest basketball fan in the world, but like, it's partially it's because I hate the Knicks so much. Um, but growing up, I remember, you know, how all-encompassing Jordan was. And that was, you know, before the internet actually was a real thing that mattered. Um, and I didn't know about all these things going on. Like, if I was older, I probably would have known. I would have been more, like, tuned into those things. So I found a lot of it fascinating. There's a ton of, like, old archival footage to stuff that, like, you know, with back then, right, you if you didn't watch the thing live, you would never see it again. Maybe you would see like one second of it on Sports Center. Um, there just there weren't a lot of things to see, and there definitely wasn't ways to go find it once it had already happened. Right, Forget about right. just DVR; like it didn't exist. Like now, you can pop on YouTube or whatever and go find it, and it's like, oh, like these are the highlights from that game, and like it's great, or whatever it is you wanted to see. Yeah. So I find it kind of fascinating, even though I think ten parts is probably too many parts in this case. 
Uh, <laughs> I still do find it a little bit fascinating. How many too many? I think five would have been enough. Okay. I've watched three of four that have been out and there it's going to be 10 and it feels like five would have probably been enough i don't know what the next five are going to be about next seven are going to be about holy shit um yeah you're like it's it's time to wrap it up no i just like i'm i'm curious to see like they're doing this weird thing i actually don't super love how they're i wish they would have done it more chronological than they're doing because like each episode has a particular person or a thing they want to focus on okay but then they keep coming back to where the, that final season is going, because that's what it's about, is the final season together. Yeah. And then like they jump back into like a 20-minute story about Dennis Rodman and how he got to the Bulls after like a full... You know, like, this is him as a kid. This is him in high school and college. You went to like a, like a bullshit college. Like, okay, this is him playing with the Detroit Pistons, and the Bulls were playing against the Pistons, and they couldn't get over the hump. And then it's... He's on the Bulls, and this is them in their final season. And I was like, uh, that's frustrating. <laughs> like, just like kind of give it to me semi chronologically. This right. is too much. You know what really hit me when you said Dennis Rodden? What? Uh, flashbacks of watching the movie Double Team with him and Jean Claude Van Damme. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's I, I, that I forgot that Dennis Rodman. I think there's a tiger fight. In that movie. <laughs> I'm sure there must have been. <laughs> I've never seen the movie, but I'm sure there must oh, have been. Oh, boy. Um, but yeah, no, I didn't. I forgot. I totally forgot Dennis Rodman as an actor was a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, that's something I'm watching. Something that I have to catch up on because I've missed the last two episodes of is The Clone Wars because there's only one or two episodes. Oh, left. yeah. And then wasn't there like word that one of those was like the best Clone Wars episode that has aired? Um, what I had heard before the episode or before the season started was that one of these episodes has possibly the greatest Star Wars fight scenes ever put on screen. It is one of the ones I have not watched yet, I believe. Um, that's cool. So the way they've broken it up, it seems is because I've watched seven of the 12, eight of the 12. I forget how many. Um, it seems like it's been broken up into three arcs of four episodes each. And so the first four arcs was about a particular batch of clones called the Bad Batch, as well as um, Captain Rex, who mm-hmm. obviously you've watched. You never finished Rebels, did you? Mm-mm. You watched TV weird. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's, I, I think it's just that Rebels is good. It is. Um. I just I don't know I I don't watch a lot of I, I I don't watch much TV by myself. That's part of it. So I feel like if I need if like they, if I was watching just random shows by myself, that probably I'd probably finish that off. But yeah. The show that I watch I watch Flash. So like if there's a mi- minute where I'm gonna go watch an episode of something like alone, that's probably what I'm gonna catch up on because I'm I'm like addicted to that show. I know you were doing Rebels during your lunch break for a while. I, I was, yeah. Yeah, that was at my previous job. I oh, that's that right. In a while. I forgot. Um, Actually, I could, I could go back to doing that. There was, it was a good lunch. It was a good lunch. It was like a, you had to, like, you separated for like 20 minutes, 22 minutes, however long it is. You ate your, I ate my lunch, got my Star Wars fix, and got back in. Then I would put on <laughs> Star Wars music. It was great. It was actually good. It was a good day. Maybe I'll do that. Maybe that's how I'll finish this year. Anyway, I didn't mean to. 
To no, you got me to... a game, you a plan. Right? <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't mean to like overwhelm you like that. Or I just realized as I was talking about, it, I was like, wait a minute, he never actually told me he finished it. I feel like he would have been like, oh my god, because that was the type of show where it's like, I felt like the first season or two, like it was fine, and mm-hmm. then it got successfully better up until having a really strong final season, um, which is you know generally how you kind of want a show to go. Because how many shows that was an amazing first season? I can't wait till the next season, and then it never recaptures that glory. Boom, 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 boom. There's got to be, <laughs> there's got to be some sort of middle ground between Parks and Homeland, where like hmm. Parks is a train wreck that becomes one of the most glorious things ever, and Homeland has one of the most incredible first seasons ever, and then never recaptures it, and by the end is like just a travesty. So like, there's got to be some middle ground between the two. I, I actually, I still want to watch that. Uh, I watched the first three or four episodes of the final season, like concurrent or like the next day. Yeah. And I haven't watched the last seven episodes or whatever. Like the finale was uh, on Sunday night. I, I haven't watched like six or seven not episodes. Up. Wow. But anyway, Clone Wars first yeah. four episodes were really strong. Middle four. So, so there's some good, there's some bad, but they directly set up the final batch, which is the siege of Mandalore, which is what's nice. ongoing right now. Uh, super important, obviously, for story reasons, character reasons, all that jazz, and it's mm-hmm. going to be probably a pretty fitting end to all of this. Nice, nice. I, I'm curious. Like the thing is, like it's Star Wars content that exists, so I do want to watch it. Um, it's just I feel like there's just so much of it. It doesn't have to be a huge priority. Obviously, you have to choose how much of the rest of Clone Wars you want to get to. Sure. Um, like to just be able to engage with the final season in any meaningful way. Um, obviously the Mortis trilogy is something you're going to want to get to, um, no matter what, mm-hmm. there are other runs that are great too. If you really, really want to know, like, you're like, Hey, I want to watch this, but I don't want to watch the whole thing. Let me know. And I can spend some time on a weekend, like picking That's through. True. These are the essential episodes you should watch. No. All right. All right. We'll see. We'll see if I get to that point, but, uh, cool. I'm glad that you're, you've got some awesome Star Wars stuff on deck. Because I feel like when you bring that in, and then we then we have Star Wars Day coming up, we'll have some nice stuff to talk. About. Yes. So let's do it, Al. Okay. Fun and games. All right. Yep. Which retro Arnold Schwarzenegger movie are you? Maybe we did do this one. I thought we did, but then the questions didn't look familiar. So, so maybe we did we something like again, this. It's possible, <laughs> or it was the same quiz just on a different site. This is from NewRetroWave.com. Okay. That was hard to read. All those letters smashed up against each other in the URL. Difficult to read. Uh, <laughs> I feel like and... I got Commando last time. Yes, you did. Was it? No. Was it which character, though? Maybe it might have been what I character. I think it was which character. This is which movie. Okay. All right. All right. And Siri is trying to talk to me, and I don't want to talk. All right. <laughs> pick a book. Game of Thrones. I thought you were just going to no- make me choose a book. Just pick a book, bro. <laughs> <laughs> game of Thrones. Neuro- is it? It's a Game of Thrones? Yes. Neuromancer, Dune, The Gunslinger, The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Ooh. Oh, that's a really tough choice between Dragon Tattoo and Game of Thrones. Um, let's go with Game of Thrones. All right. Which 80s movie would be better with the addition of Arnold Schwarzenegger? <laughs> Sorry, there's no all of the above option. Wow. Labyrinth. Whoa. Ghostbusters. <laughs> Aliens. Lethal Weapon, Escape from New York. 
that is such a random list. But before you started listing them, my first thing that jumped into my mind was he might be interesting in one of the aliens movies. So all right, that's the answer. Nice. All right. Pick a classic synthwave banger. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. Dynatron, Stars of the Night, Zombie Hyperdrive, Red Eyes, Mega Drive, I Am the Program, Laserhawk, King of the Streets, or Miami Nights 1984, Accelerated. So here's the thing. I don't know any of those songs, at least not sure. by their titles. So wasn't there one about... A shark or something in there? Uh, there's a laser hawk. Did the laser you think hawk. I said that's the one. Shark yes. with laser beams on their heads. Whether I know your hawk <laughs> shark sound close enough. Like I was like, there's something in there about an animal. Right. Um, yeah, that's the one. It's got laser hawk. Let's do it. Pick a recent movie. Ooh, good options. Well, some good options. <laughs> Two good options. <laughs> Pick a recent movie. The Nice Guys, Gamer, Tucker and Dale vs. Evil. Ex Machina or Ooh. Thor Ragnarok. Ooh. So the, yeah. funny th- the funny thing is, Dominic, I think, kind of likes that movie Gamer. Or maybe he just mm. enjoys Michael C. Hall in it, um, who needs to be in more things. Really good act. Um, I've heard The Nice Guys is really good. I've never seen it. And I kind of wanted to when it was coming out. I saw Michael C. Hall and Hedwig, Hedwig in The Angry Inch. Okay. That was, was a that bizarre a, show. Was you know what? Was, was that a, it was a Broadway was that a play? show? Yeah, it was, and uh, it was unfortunate because it seemed like it was really good, and the music sounded really good. But for whatever reason, maybe it was the acoustics of where we were sitting, or maybe it was like whoever was on sound that night. You couldn't really understand anything in any of the songs or lyrics, and it was it was frustrating. Oh wait, he was singing in that? Yes, I didn't know he could sing. <laughs> um. Yeah, actually, he's done a few plays, hasn't he? Which uh, He never struck me as like a big... I don't know, maybe he's just such a grouch in Dexter that I never saw him yeah. like, a, like a Broadway actor, but like he is legitimately pretty great in that show, and mm. the couple of other little things I've seen him in are interesting as well. Um, but all of that's to say that I'm going to go with Ex Machina. I figured as much. Although Thor Ragnarok is such a great choice, too. But Yeah, for sure. That would have been my choice, um, but... I, I love that movie so much. How would you describe what you did last weekend? Goofy, intense, lonely, sleazy, or legal? <laughs> Technically, it was all legal. Okay. <laughs> I didn't leave my house, okay? Pick a Final Fantasy protagonist. <laughs> Titus, Zidane, Lightning, Cloud, Squall. I hate all of those names so much. Let's go with Cloud. Okay. How do you feel about Choppers? <laughs> no. Oh, God, wait, I hang on a second. Wait. I hang can't second. wait for these. Hang on a second. If one of those isn't some form of get to it, I'm going to be so mad. It, it, it is. It's the only one that's in caps. Uh, <laughs> but I'm going to read. I'll, it's right in the middle. No opinion, which is so far my favorite option. <laughs> <laughs> some of my best friends are choppers, buddy. What? Don't. I, I, maybe like, I don't know. You must get to it in all caps with an exclamation <laughs> point. They are totally super cool. They are used by the government to spy on people. If you choose anything other than you get to it, you must get to it. You must get to it. Then uh, you, you're not playing this game right. So you the got one. the Predator. Nice, nice. Okay, solid choice. If it bleeds, we can kill it. <laughs> you know what? I, I can, I can uh, 
I can appreciate that philosophy. It's very simple. It's very it straightforward. Is. Is. Al, with that, let's get into our flick of the week. End of Days, released in 1999, this action fantasy horror thriller runs at two hours and two minutes. The synopsis from IMDb. At the end of the century, Satan visits New York in search of a bride. It's up to an ex-cop who now runs an elite security outfit to stop him. Why, though? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just want to, I, I got really thrown off there. It's a, it's a what? It's an action thriller fantasy horror? Yes. Uh, all at the same time? I guess. Okay. No, I think they could have gotten away with action horror. Well, I'm looking at the IMDb top of the thing. It says action, comma, fantasy, comma, horror, which it is all those things. And when you put them there as like tags, it's like, okay. And you could have even added thriller as a tag. But when you put them all together in a sentence like that, it's like, you're trying too hard. <laughs> Are they all de- separated by dashes? Yeah, right. <laughs> it's a single descriptor. Right, like we oh. have like like something like free to play, which is all like dashed in between them, and it's like action thriller horror films. <laughs> now, this movie, uh, it's it's probably like I'm not saying it's good, but it certainly is better than it has any right to be. It's a is funny, that a fair it's statement. A, it's funny because I approach this kind of the opposite way, where you come from this with a decent amount of nostalgia because you loved the sure. movie when it came out. Oh, this yeah. is the first time I've ever seen it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I watched it. You put it on Plex for me. I turned it on. Well, sorry. I selected it on Plex. And Plex pulls the Rotten Tomatoes scores. Mm-hmm. And, oh, fuck, it doesn't have it here on IMDb. The, it was like an 11 <laughs> on like the tomato meter. <laughs> and like 30%, like, or 38%, something like that, like, audience review. I was like, oh, yeah. God, I knew this was a bad movie, but this is going to be so bad. Yeah. So yeah. I will give you my tweet length review now. Hit me. A super cheesy action flick that wastes Gabriel Byrne and most of my time. <laughs> not bad, bad, but definitely not good. It okay. exists. It exists. <laughs> what, what, what are we giving it? What's, a, what's your out of 10 rating? I'm going to give it a 5 out of 10. Okay. Uh, well, we're on the money. I gave it a 5 out of 10 as well. Uh, I said, you think it might be different since it was marketed as a horror movie. You're wrong. It's just a Schwarzenegger flick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which I like, which is probably why I did like it when I was younger. Like, I was rewatching it. I was like, this is not even spooky. <laughs> it's, it's, it's no, I mean, there's a, jump, there's, there's a jump scare too. With a cat. There's a jump scare with a cat. There's there's some creepy ambiance with the chanting, the chanting music. You know what's really funny? They interchangeably use that sound, chanting, and metal music. And sometimes you're like, oh, when they go into this door, somebody's going to be listening to metal music on the other side. But no, they were just using that as a tone setter. Which mm-hmm. was very confusing. <laughs> well, that probably has to come. That probably has to do with the fact that it came out in 1999. Sure, sure. Uh, you want to you want to go through some taglines, please? All right. There's a lot. This movie has a lot of taglines, which leads me to believe there were a lot of posters. Uh, which was it was definitely in my face. I definitely, I also saw this movie too young because I saw this in theaters. Um, yeah. Well, I, I'll, I, listen. I'll I'll say this before you get to the taglines. Yeah. Briefest of spoilers, not a super important one. 
for the most part, this was pretty standard Schwarzenegger action fare. Could have been PG-13. Could have been mm. R because there was some cursing. Yeah. There was a little bit of blood, but it wasn't really egregious. And like some some modi- like animal yeah. blood. You know what I mean? Yeah. But seen on the train when the creepy guy with yeah. creepy who was hobo. like a, a DB, demon apparition hobo. Right. Who had the exact same, and I mean the exact same prosthetic on his face that Jack Nicholson had as the Joker. when he just walks up to her and goes christine he's gonna fuck you and i was like what now yeah he's gonna fuck you and i was like what the fuck is going on yeah so that was something that a nine-year-old you didn't need to watch that definitely not i didn't need that i also didn't need the light rape that happens throughout the movie but (laughs) the light (laughs) it's uh we'll get to that it's I have questions. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, let's get through these taglines, of which there are many, of which some are not taglines so much as they are the synopsis of the movie, which is very confusing to me. But anyway. Well, I've heard theories on this. When the movie has too many taglines, it's because, you know, when they go through that whole thing in, like, the marketing department, usually, like, it ends up going down to, like, a short list of, like, three. And then you mm-hmm. pick the one, and then the other two get it, like, spread around a little bit. When there's this many taglines, Two things have happened. One, they can't decide on one, which sure. means they can't decide on any of them. Right. And two, the movie's probably not very good. Because if you can't describe it in some way, shape, or form with one line, you don't even know what the movie's about. Which, this movie often doesn't know what it is. Which I will... I, yeah, you are completely right. You've also you've managed to hit on a lot of what's going on in these taglines, of which there are there is definitely one that's trying too hard, and there's definitely one that somebody went, I don't know. <laughs> All right, so let's get into them. The first is the ultimate battle of good versus evil. Nope. No. Uh, prepare for the end. Okay. That would have been fine. The end is near. Okay. A little too obvious, but that's fine. This one's uh, the second longest one. When the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison. That's an elevator pitch. That is also a line in the movie, and I think somebody read the script and saw the word loosed and was like, let's just use that one. The next one... Anytime you can use loose as a verb, you gotta do it. Sure, sure. The next one is the uh, the phoned-in one that just says prepare. (laughs) But you know what? (laughs) It's succinct in a way that cuts through the crap of that one that was a paragraph (laughs) long that you just read before. How about the next one that's prepare for the end of days? Those two guys went one after the other in the board meeting. <laughs> Prepare. <laughs> Prepare for the end of days. <laughs> or could next... vice versa. Prepare for the end of days. That's just the movie guy. Ah, fuck, fuck. Prepare. <laughs> <laughs> then the, the next one is the long one. On the eve of the millennium, an ex-cop torn by loss must regain his faith in order to quell the end of days. Okay, so again, also, this, this is just a synopsis that was on the cover page to the script being sent to the producer. Also false, I will say that he does, there's in no way, shape, or form does he regain his faith. He prays really <laughs> quick in the last three minutes of the movie. Yeah, it's embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, and the last one, which is probably the best one and what they should have gone with, because it also, uh, the ellipses are actually in the tagline. You will bear witness to the end of days. Dot, I could dot, buy that. Dot. <laughs> I, uh, I, I can I get on board that with one. that one. The box office for this guy, the budget was $100 million. Mm. Opening was $20 million. Domestic? Give me a guess. What do you got? 47 67 Close. Worldwide? 
128. 211. <laughs> what in what world is this movie doing 211? <laughs> the world. 1999. <laughs> <laughs> Man. Um, it, so it's funny because let's let's because this is no way, shape, or form spoiler. This is just, you know. The the legend of Arnold Schwarzenegger, the story of Arnold Schwarzenegger. Also, it came out in '99, so not that big of a deal. Correct. If there were, if it were a spoiler. Yeah, sure. Uh, no, but like, I just like to, you know, if there's there are people who like to pause mm. and come back to it. So, sure. in abundance of care and respect for those people, we'll still name it clearly when we're going to break the spoilers, which will probably yeah. be soon after this. But regardless, I don't have a ton of time now. Mm. That sounds like a cop-out, but I have somewhat odd circumstances. I still live at home. Family's around. They're all trapped in the house all day. So when I come home, I'm like a guest visiting. Right. <laughs> so I don't get a lot of free time because it's like, hey, let's all do something together. And it's, which, is, you know, it's nice. Yeah, it's beautiful. I, I, I don't want to act like I don't enjoy it. It's just I do wish it was easier to be able to be like, no, no. I'll join you guys later. I'm going to do my thing. I have to go thing. watch End of Days. <laughs> yeah, no, like, I'm going to go do my thing. But, like, right over there. <laughs> like, I'll still be able to make eye contact with you while I'm doing my own. Sure. Um, I'm sure I could walk downstairs. But, you know, you kind of get the point. Yeah. Um, so, on Sunday afternoon, I was like, nothing's going on. There's two minutes. I was like, okay, if I can get my foot inside the door of doing something. No one's going to give me a hard time. And they're welcome to join me. I don't care. So I sit down to watch the movie. There's no one in the room. Dominic was downstairs actually playing a video game. My dad was upstairs. My mom was taking a nap. My sister was like on like a Zoom call. So my brother comes inside. Hey, you want a drink? I'm making drinks. Okay, cool. I'll, I'll take a drink. What are you doing? You still playing the game? You wanna, I'm about to watch this movie. You want to come join me? Sure. What is it? End of days. Is that that Arnold Schwarzenegger movie? It is. Isn't that bad? Probably. Let's do it anyway. <laughs> We're doing it for the show. Anthony wants to do it for the show. We don't exactly have anything new to watch, so why the hell not? Okay, I'll be there in a little bit. I'm going to make this drink. Okay, I'll, I won't start the movie then. Dad comes in. He's cooking dinner, having some roast beef, you know, a few hours in the, in the oven. What are you guys watching? We're about to watch End of Days. That old Schwarzenegger movie? Yeah. I saw that when it came out. I don't really remember it that well. It wasn't very good. You want to watch with us? Yeah, I'll be ready in about 10 Oh my minutes. god, did this turn into a family affair? <laughs> so the three of us started watching the movie together. 45 minutes. A full 45 minutes after I planned on starting watching the movie. Uh-huh. We made it through half the movie. <laughs> <laughs> but as we were starting, as we were watching it, Dominic had questions. Which, you know, sparked some interesting conversation. Sure. Why this movie? <laughs> <laughs> so, so you see, Dominic... Terminators in the early 80s. That was the first real Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. Terminators in the early 80s. Anthony's in the late 80s. Just go with it. <laughs> no. I said, F Terminator, yeah, isn't even really a classic Schwarzenegger movie. It's a horror mm. movie, really. Mm -hmm. Survival horror. Um, and, you know, I was like, you know, it's funny because most of his movies weren't really conventional action movies. Like in the way that like a, maybe a Chuck Norris or Jean-Claude Van Damme or whatever. I was like, there's always like something going on, right? A, a Predator was like a classic action movie, but Alien, right? You know, mm -hmm. you have fucking weird throwbacks like Conan the Barbarian. Sure. You got um, Commando was really the only like true blue action movie he was in for that whole rise 
of his, you know, fame in action movies, right? You know, you always have something like he's on Mars and it's a spy a sci-fi thriller. Right. You know what I mean? Right. You've got, you know, Terminator 2 is the closest thing to a tr- to an action movie that he was actually in, right? Because it goes from horror to being more like an action movie. Yeah, I mean, he had a couple of the cop the cop ones, like uh, like Raw Deal, Red Heat, those guys. But those are like the lesser yeah. known ones. Like those aren't the sure. ones that people like know. Like mm. actually, I, I don't. I forgot about those movies. I've never seen them. <laughs> I've heard of them. I've never seen them. Pretty um, sure I have two of those in the trilogy VHS box set somewhere, but that's beside the point. <laughs> well, you know, fine. I was like, but the, you know, the point was, that, you know, he had all these action movies that weren't really action movies, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then he went and did some really conventional stuff after, right? Like Commando was pretty late in the run, and then he did like kids movies, Kindergarten Cop, mm-hmm. Jingle All the Way, um, and he also had True Lies, which was, again, kind of a, you call it a True Blue, you know, action comedy, you know, action with some comedy. Um, and then... I think he started to sense the the star was fading because there's some wild swings. You have a racer which is trying to be a, a true blue action, but there's mm-hmm. fucking lasers everywhere. Yeah. Um, then you got end of days, devil, the world is ending, weird religious undertones. No, well, not just even undertones, overt religious right. stuff, the action and you know mythology around religion, and then you have the sixth day, and like those were all the those three movies were in a four year span. It's like he's just fucking swinging from the fences, hacking from his heels, like, and it's, he's going to hit a home run or he's going to oh, strike there's a, out. There, there's a history behind that. Okay. Do you have more? Because that, that basically, was, to him, was that's what I'm saying. Like, look, you have to consider, this is now the end of a 20-year run so, of actual, of like box office dominance by him. The weird history there is that uh, after Mr. Freeze, uh, Schwarzenegger had his heart surgery, and after he had his heart surgery, uh, insurance companies wouldn't insure him to do movies really because they were worried about him and like worried about the investment. Obviously. Yeah. Steroids, steroids will do that too. So, uh, it, it took until end of days before they finally like tried and they, they got on set. They were like watched him doing this. And then they were like, they went, they fig- found that it was okay. And then, and then he just started, it seemed at that point because he had had that break of concern, that he started just grabbing everything that came his way because like yeah. the offer started rolling in, and then it was it was like um like one movie after the other, yeah, which is how it was when it like earlier on too, like it was one movie after the other, and now and then it was a break, and then one movie after another. But yeah, that's that's where I think that's where that came in, and that's when you start to get into like that weird space. Right? End of days plus is a weird space. That's what I'm saying, like because yeah. like even Eraser, which is like it seems like right before that curve, but that's, that one already was still a little bit weird. Like maybe it hues a little closer to something like. Total Recall, mm-hmm. where it's conventional action with a weird sci-fi twist. Running but Man. But, like, yeah, Running Man, like, but, like, then you have, like, end of day, six day, back-to-back years, 99, 2000. It's like, mm-hmm. these are big swings on, like, high, well, not high, but out-there concept movies. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, We're also hitting that 99, like, 99 through 2003 special effects era where things were just for the sake of special effects and weird. Sure, but I'm just saying, like, the setup mm. of these are way outside of the zone of most of the stuff that he did and that, he, that was most popular. Yeah, and it's like, absolutely. it does feel like it's an aging star trying to hit one last home run. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree. But, uh, man, this movie goes in some weird... But the, this movie has a straight-up identity crisis. It's like, we want to do a religious thriller horror movie, but also helicopters. <laughs> 
I feel also, like that also, was the actual do... pitch meeting. What's that? <laughs> that was the actual pitch meeting. <laughs> well, it's not just that, though, because <coughs> it does feel like... <coughs> Sorry. <laughs> it does I feel like... Him. It does feel like this one, um, it like it never fully materialized from the storyboards, mm-hmm. where it's like we have moments of like we're just gonna have him be, you know, the Arnold, right? Like he's just gonna yeah. be a machine and he's just gonna kick ass and take names. And there's even some shades of Kindergarten Cop, like where he's dead inside and yeah, he yeah you know, the opening scene of him on screen, he's trying to kill himself. And they did like a Mad Libs of all his other characters. And then they dropped that one into a religious thriller. Yeah, but then, like, <laughs> at the other hand, like, you have this whole, like, he's, like, crying and looking at, like, the music box thing. And it's mm-hmm. like, like, and I'm even okay with that being your story arc, because I actually think... I'm pretty sure that exact scene was in Batman and Robin. <laughs> 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 but, like, I do feel like there's, like... There was a wild show, like tone shifts between, like scenes where it's like, you have, like I think it might have even been back to back scenes or close to it where, the the you know Gabriel Byrne is like killing that skater kid with like the sure. line I had from the opening like nice yeah. shirt yeah and then like it might have been him crying right after that and it's like just weird editing man and there's oh, other weird editing strange. things there's other weird editing things that happen like intra scene let alone scene to scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's 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 a bizarre it's a bizarre film. I uh, we're gonna dive in now. It's time to dive in. I've I've broken my notes down into segments, and they're pretty chronological. So that'll help us get through uh, in some sort of a reasonable order. Uh, in flicks in a six fashion, I'm sure we'll be jumping around. But well, ho- hopefully, I'm done choking now. So. But, yeah. <laughs> but that being said, uh, there's gonna be spoilers from here on out. I I'm not going to encourage you to go watch the movie. I do think what will end up happening is if you haven't, I think you can watch, listen to the rest of this if you haven't seen it. We're going to spoil the shit out of it, but it doesn't matter. Because I it, think it doesn't have a lot of things that, like, oh no, like, this was a huge twist. But for the small cross section that has not seen the movie and will get through this episode, I think we will have sold you on watching the movie, <laughs> is what's going to happen. Because you're going to be like, I have to see that. <laughs> see, the thing is, unlike last week's, like, Wild Wild West, bad, like, good, bad movie. This one wasn't like so bad where it's like, oh my god, this is the worst thing, and I have this litany of issues. Like, mm-hmm. I have a handful of things where I'm like, really, or like, that's what you're gonna do here. But overall, it just never moved the needle for me, good or bad. No, like, no, it just it's, it's just there. It there. exists. Yeah, as your tweet length review it said, it is. It exists. <laughs> uh, I will say that I pulled out one piece of trivia. I didn't find the trivia for this movie to be particular, insightful, or interesting, uh, except for one that was just really really huge for me uh and that was that this was the last movie pressed to laser disc in the u.s <laughs> and i was like man there was a point where i was like i wanted one of those <laughs> <clears throat> what was the selling point of laser discs disc sound exactly? i think it was sound i think the sound was really good picture okay. was a little better and sound was supposed to be really good because it had all of the laser reading of a disc that a dvd had and even bigger and heavier than a record so yes but <clears throat> it was available before dvd i know i'm just saying like yeah. it wasn't super convenient because the discs no i think they were, were like, the, like it was like a record box like basically 
I don't know. I feel like I remember as a kid watching them, and they were roughly the size of a Trojan shield. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god! Amazing. I do remember. um, Actually, I'm gonna. I might have to call BS. No, I can't. Obviously, because we just went through that history there. But uh, I do remember seeing the uh, the ads for Batman and Robin on Laserdisc. I definitely wanted Batman and Robin on Laserdisc at one. Well, so that was before this. So yeah, yeah. So it makes sense. It checks. Okay. Yeah. Um. That was, what, 97, I think? Uh, Yes, I believe so. Uh, Let's dive in. All right. And we're going to start with the opening. And the reason we're starting here is because so far for these old movies that we've been going, we've been dipping back into, the music starts and I go, I remember the next 40 minutes. (laughs) And I don't know why. Like, I don't know, like, how it's so ingrained in me. But the music starts. I was like, it it hit me. I like I was kind of like humming along. Which was weird for me because it's chanting. Yeah. And <laughs> also, like really off, creepy chanting. Very creepy. It starts off, and I'm like, I remember the next 40 minutes. More importantly, I remember the next three minutes of this because it's three minutes long. <laughs> the, the title sequence? Yes. And in that title <laughs> sequence, you have gargoyles, eclipses, snakes, fire, breaking glass on loop. <laughs> Yeah, and all those things are in the movie. It's it's too much, and then it, and then it starts with uh, a priest aggressively opening a very old scroll to the point where I'm like, maybe a little caution. Like he's just he has this tin can that's clearly preserving the roll, and he has to rip it open. The reason he needs to rip this thing open is because he sees a comet, and he has to immediately tell Pope Hector Salamanca that <laughs> I am God. <laughs> There was a whole conversation that I can't really relay on air about Hector Salamanca. At the same time, well, about two minutes before where you're at, where yeah, credits are rolling. Hey, Mark Margolis is in this. My brother goes, who's Mark Margolis? I said, it's Hector Salamanca. And then there was a whole conversation ensuing from that mm. that uh, isn't necessarily going to be the best for the show. But it's funny that you mentioned that, because now I'm going to draw this back to Scrubs for you. Sure. The way he was doing that was so aggressively, where it's like, it was clearly a papal scholar emergency, mm-hmm. papal scholar crisis. Yeah. And it reminded me, you're not there yet. It's around halfway through the show somewhere. They all get locked down. You remember SARS? Yeah. So, like, there's been a lot of talk about that lately because I guess this has, this, the corona pandemic has a pretty, like, a lot of, like, similarities to that because uh, it's a similar kind of disease, I guess. And... So during like the height of all that, or maybe shortly after the height of all that, there was an episode of Scrubs involving that where they talked about how if anyone has or anyone even suspects that someone has SARS, they have to lock down the whole hospital. Okay. And someone makes a joke in the same way that like in movies you see someone make a joke about where like it's not like I have a bomb on like the airplane and the airplane gets locked down. Yeah. And someone says that, like, oh, it's not like they've got SARS. And just saying the word SARS triggers a lockdown. <laughs> yeah. And, like, most of the main cast gets, well, uh, <laughs> memorably, Jordan does not get locked in the, the wing with them because she slides under the door and reaches back for her hat in the way that Indiana Jones would, and they play the, the, <laughs> the flourish as she's doing it. And, like, the lockdown happens, and most of them are in there, and they all get pissed at JD because he's the one who said SARS. And then... There's this whole thing where he's dating this new girl 
and he's trying to impress her, and there's not nothing, nothing impressing happening because they're all just on lockdown, basically. And so <laughs> he pays a homeless guy to fake like a heart attack so that he could like save his life and this and that. And <laughs> he pays the the guy, and then the guy wants more money, and he doesn't have any more cash. And so he asks, he's trying to get you know. I need the whatever. I need the surgeon, you know, over here. And then he rushes over. Do you have twenty more dollars? You know, <laughs> and he's like, "Shit, who else has money?" And he goes, "Doctor, whatever his name is." And he's the um, fuck. What the hell's the name for like a skin doctor? You know what I mean? Like the I forget what like there's a name for that. And like a dermatologist. He, the, what? Yeah, dermatologist. That's uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> totally blanked on the name. I was like the skin gotcha. doctor. You know. I it was a test that I was like, well, this is weird. This is no, a weird no, no, I'm saying now. it to you because I just could not remember what it was called. Okay. And yeah, dermatologist, like, he's always got cash on him. Like, <laughs> so they call him over and he goes, oh my God, it's my moment. He goes, dermatological, like, emergency as he's running over. <laughs> this, like, there is no dermatological emergencies. He's <laughs> like, he just wants to be a part of the action. And that's what it reminded me of. There's no scroll-related emergencies. He just really wanted to be a part of the action. <laughs> then he, like, limps into the chambers where the Pope is and to to say this message, which it seems like he needs to kind of tell him in private. So he, like, kind of whispers, but really loud. Into a room full of people? Into a room full of people, yes. Uh, and then then something wonderful happens. Then he's like, you have to go find her. And we're, of course, referring to uh, a woman who's being born in New York at this very minute. At this very minute. Minute? At no. At this very minute. No. Six hours later. Six Sure. He has to go find her. And then he limps out of the room to never be seen again. <laughs> because he doesn't go there. <laughs> and he doesn't appear again. Unless he's supposed to be the old priest later. I assumed that he was. You can't, wait for you it, can't, and I assumed that's the he was. Thing you can do. I assumed he was. Wait for it, Father Thomas Aquinas. Which, <laughs> when they said his name, I immediately. And we're talking about this is like ten minutes in the movie, fifteen minutes in the movie. I threw my hands up. I was like, "Come on, yes, we're doing uh, that. That's what this movie is." And oh boy, was that what this movie was? Yeah, a hundred percent. That's what it is. And I, I mean, yes, you can assume that if you'd like. But there's no evidence. <laughs> no, no. Well, how could there be? He cut his tongue out. Right. But moments before the scene that he doesn't have a tongue? Maybe? It seems pretty fresh. It seems like it's very well preserved. Yeah. It could be minutes, could be hours, maybe a day or two. Yeah. On the it, list of things in jars in that room. A tongue, a picture of a girl. That's it. <laughs> two jars. Why did the picture have to be in a jar? Don't know. Why did it have to be in the fridge? Why was there a cat in the fridge? Lots of questions, Al. <laughs> Lots of questions. <laughs> uh, you know what? Speaking of questions. It may. And maybe I'm just misremembering this because I watched the movie over the course of two days. So when they get into Thomas Aquinas' apartment. Mm-hmm. Apartment is a really, that's a big sell. When they get yes. into Thomas Aquinas' hovel. Uh, his underground lair. <laughs> they see a quote on the wall written in, I think they indicate that it's probably blood. Probably yeah. his tongue blood. Yeah, I would assume um, so. I, I just assumed he used the tongue as a marker. Yeah, that would that's, um, that'd be awkward. Um, anyway, they read the quote. They read it again. They kind of toss it around. What's that all about? It's very obvious it's a Bible verse because it's got the numbers 20 dash or 20 colon 7 next to it. 
and anyone who's even heard of the Bible knows that that's the way that they denotate things in the Bible. Mm-hmm. And then they go to the refrigerator, mm-hmm. and there's another quote, which they flash across the screen very quickly, and then never mention again. Sure. Do they ever mention it again? I don't think so. What the fuck? I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't know. Um, I'm going to answer this list of questions, though. Um, just because I'm going to jump back. This is great. This is exactly what I wanted to happen. This is mm-hmm. this is because this movie is questions. Lots of them. <laughs> There's so many uh, questions. Questions I a, have. Questions they have. Here's another one. When uh, father plays with squirrels, runs in. <laughs> uh, it 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 takes a second, but then you come to realize that three quarters of the conversation in that room happened in Italian. Only and three quarters. Only three quarters. There's one particular character who is speaking English, and are they just afraid that you're not going to read all of it, so they're trying to keep you engaged? That's okay, what's what the most like. important thing? We'll say that one in English. <laughs> right, but it wasn't. He only asked a question, I'm pretty sure. Was it? I, and I don't remember what the sentence was. Hmm. Was it the most important thing, or was it the one thing that that one creepy priest needed to hear so that he could then become bad guy priest later? No, I think it was. I, I don't. I just think it was a question of like, what's going on? I think it was something along those lines. <laughs> okay, because that guy it was like, what's going on? And then they said in Italian, "You need to read subtitles." <laughs> like, <laughs> and then they went back to it. Because <laughs> that guy only existed. Now, again, assuming, but this one I feel even more solid about the assumption that he's the the cardinal mm. who is betraying the edicts of. Um, I think I think it is him. Maybe it's just so that you recognize him later. Yeah, uh, I mean, I imagine it has to be because he, but. you know, he's the one who he's the one who leads like the uh, the papal knights or whatever the fuck they were nah, calling I don't them. Know. Um, you know, in direct opposition to the, the Sacred Edicts. Hearts Club band, <laughs> in in direct opposition to the edicts of Pope Hector the <laughs> First. <laughs> it's Pope Salamanca to you. Well, usually if I had a bell sound you need effect, a first I would name. use it. <laughs> what? If I, had a bell, if I had a bell sound effect right now, I'd be using it a lot. <laughs> Generally, Pope names need to be first names, which is why I chose Hector the First. Sure, sure. That's fair. That's fair. Um, I have one final question for the Only the one? This, for the opening of this movie. Okay. For the why opening, Al. Why do we just... need to have multiple time jumps to 1979 to six hours later to 1999? More importantly, let's. I would like to focus on the six hours later when that mom gave birth to a three-month-old. <laughs> that's not the first time or the last time that, that that's happened in a movie. That was a toddler. <laughs> <laughs> it practically walked out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was weird, uh, and then you know, weird satanic ritual, and it's just like in the war in this world where we're saying like these religious things. It it feels like. The ritual part of it maybe doesn't fit so much of, but I guess it does later on. I don't know. the The cutting of a rattlesnake, and then the suckling of that rattlesnake's blood off of the pinky of a creepy doctor is just—it was just a whole weird thing. It's very uncomfortable. Also, so the baby was born with an omega tattoo. Fact. So why did they need the ritual after it if the baby has already been chosen? These. This is exactly what I'm talking about. You know what I'm saying? Because like, yeah. If the baby was just born under that sign, which fine, okay, do the ritual. Maybe then we see the tattoo sprout up. Sure. To signify that this one has been marked. If it's already been marked, is the ritual necessary? It's a good question. It's a great question. 
what what was the ritual for? See, if I had any indication of what the ritual was for, then maybe I would be okay with this. See, this is what I'm saying, because like if the baby was born under the sign, and then they do the ritual, that's doing the marking, and then the marking comes up on the baby. Mm-hmm. But with the marking already there, the ritual feels superfluous. So that's just a that's just a rattlesnake that died for no reason. Yeah, which was um very readily available in New York City in the underground of a hospital. Yeah, I mean they had a whole six hours. That's true. Um, that's true. To, to secure a rattlesnake from upstate New York and bring it to a a hospital in. You know what? What was really I was really hoping for, which I, they they failed me on this one. Um, which was a, which was good. It was a little bit of continuity on their part. When they said, uh, "You have to get there, or you have to get her, or find her," and then it said six hours later, I was like, "Please let him be there six hours later. Please let him have taken an eight and a half hour flight and get to a hospital in New York in six hours because this." will be perfect well they never really told us what the the prophecy was specifically Mm -hmm. so i surely didn't expect it to be a child will be born somewhere in the six billion people in the world Mm -hmm. right now and by when i say right now i mean maybe six hours from now yeah go find the child let me just tell you how math works (laughs) you can spend 20 years searching the entire globe and you will not find Probably even one third of all the people who exist. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Didn't they specifically send him to New York? Did they? They specifically sent him to where? Uh, I have no idea. Okay. Yeah, I don't remember. Now, the only way for me to know that is to rewatch the movie. So I guess it's something that I will never know. (laughs) Uh, Now, yeah, that's okay. We're we're leaving the opening of this film behind. It's funny. uh, Before we leave, I just have one. It's not even a bad opening. You were super psyched to do this movie. I'm still, I'm still thrilled that we watched it. <clears throat> it's weird that you're now like I can understand like oh I don't have any plans to watch it again anytime soon. It feels like you've you've nailed this into a coffin now. Oh no 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 no! Uh, I I I won't remember these questions that I that I need answers fair, to. Fair, fair. But I, I'll watch it again. It's, you know, at some point, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, on laser disc, preferably. Uh, I bet you that's like a, some sort of collector's item. The last one. The last laser disc. <laughs> I want the last laser disc of the last action hero. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so we leave the opening behind, and then disc jockeys will continue to hit us over the head with the fact that it's 1999 for the remainder of this film. <laughs> because they will shout it at you in the distance, on the radio that's not playing. In the car that no one's in, they will <laughs> shout it at you for the rest of the movie. Things like three more nights until every computer dies, and <laughs> and also all of us, and it was like it's gonna be the greatest party of all time. It's uh, if we die, at least we're having fun. There's a lot of pressure to party like it's 1999 in this movie. I was like, do you remember how long party like it's 1999 was a thing? Yeah, I do. I do. I also remember, like, I, I, I do remember that New Year's Eve at uh, Mama and Pop Pops, and it was, <laughs> it was, it was fun. We made confetti, threw it yeah. around. <laughs> it was a good time. <laughs> yeah. Do we Everybody have the little? Do we have the little crackers, the little ones that pop with a little bit of? Oh, hundred percent powder. The poppers. Yeah. Yeah, we had those. It's great. It's a good time. Good time. I remember that. There was definitely like the an underlying uncomfortable feeling of like, is something gonna happen? 
you know, because that was like what the news did at that time too. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, anyway, yeah. So they're gonna they're gonna beat you over the head with the fact that uh, Y2K is a thing. The rest of the movie, which is, I mean, wait, no, no, hang on a second. I think this movie was made long enough in advance that they never actually said Y2K did that. No, they did. It's there's, it's on signs and stuff. Oh, I don't remember hearing yeah. or seeing that specific phrase. Yeah, and I yeah. remember thinking at one point during the movie, I was like, was this before Y2K became what we all called it? Because like, the 1999 thing was a thing for over a year. Right. But I feel like Y2K specifically was like the last like three to six months or whatever of that mm. phenomenon. Well, it was released November 24th. Yeah, but like, who knows how long before that it was shot. That's true, but those things do only appear in B-roll. So ah, see, there we go. Now we're yeah. getting somewhere because there's all, like there's like a shot of Times Square with a party and the signs up. Okay, so um, it is you know they, I guess they did something. Uh, let's get us into the next segment of our movie, which I have titled "Satan Arrives." <laughs> and uh the note that i took down was ah yes the great new york earthquake of 1999 <laughs> where fire spewed from the manhole covers <laughs> also was that just recycled footage from volcano i, I mean yes <laughs> i just assumed that we all knew that Vol- volcano is a great great mid-90s action put volcano on the list I'm totally okay to do it. That but was... do we do Volcano and Dante speak in one episode? I never got through Dante's <gasps> Peak. Oh, boy. I watched that movie when it came out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or what's called when it first came to video. So I was like six or seven years old. Sure. Scared the crap out of me the first yeah. like half hour of that movie. When it first started coming down and the fucking thing was like ripping through people's cars and killing people. I don't know yeah. why it scared the crap out of me. No, I remember being, being like freaked out a little bit. I never got that from Volcano though, for whatever reason. I love mm-hmm. that movie. I now mean, it's it's possible I saw it like like later that year. I think it's like, just that Tommy Lee Jones made you feel safe. That could be it too. Maybe Don Cheadle's beret. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that could be it. That's, that's, it's it's most certainly one of those two things. <laughs> oh God, we have to do this now. It has to be done. <laughs> but uh, no, I, I remember being like freaked out enough by Dante's Peak and not as much by Volcano. Yeah, I don't all. think I watched. I don't. I never watched all of Dante's Peak. But mm. Volcano, uh, sure, some people would probably say it's like a good bad movie. I challenge you. It is a good movie. Legitimately mm. good. Movie. Mm. Well, uh, well, well, I'm definitely. I'm down to rewatch those. So my next question has arrived. How did Translucent Hell Demon pick that famous actor? He was also Mark. They explained it later. Don't worry. But they said that a lot. Uh, it was the like, the guy in her dreams that she's constantly having sex with. Oh, no, with. no, no, no. They didn't say it a lot. They said it one time. Oh, it was just the one time? <laughs> yeah. They said it to her later. She, he was chosen, too. So don't worry about it. <laughs> you made a face when you saw him. Yeah, he's in that dream where he's in me all the time. Like, what, what is happening? <laughs> but I've never, I never knew he was real. <laughs> Jesus which is fair enough. If you have a recurring dream of being fucked by some dude you've never met before, and then you see him for real, walking through fire, mm-hmm. and also everyone you've ever known and loves is being murdered and, de- and dead and dying and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Also, okay, you, so- were, you were almost brutally murdered, and also very, you know, compassionately given last rites. Um, 
It's great because yeah. we were watching that scene and the uh, raping of the last rites. Yeah, no, and I was like, is she about to get raped here? Because mm. like there've been like she was told in no uncertain terms whether she likes it or not, she's going to be fucked. Um, yeah. And then we have a bunch of dudes grab her and hold her down on her bed. And I was like, oh, so here is where the fucking is going to happen. Mm. Uh, and then they pull out a knife and I was like, okay, so rape and murder. Oh, I no, also, no. I also like they're bringing out just... a Bible. It's like, you know, how nice is that? They're going to kill her, but they're going to give her first last rights before that. Right. That is super compassionate. I also appreciate that for all of the people that are not familiar with the Bible or the last rites or the sacraments, they do pause to yell at the camera. I need more time to finish the last rites. <laughs> <laughs> Go downstairs. And it's like, sending somebody out of the room at this moment makes me think, maybe this isn't what it looks like. <laughs> Basil Exposition. Oh, knife, knife knife edition. Red knife edition. Okay, so here's a question. Spooky, clear hell demon, which is Satan, right? It is the fallen angel. All right, fallen angel. Dark uh, angel? Same with, with the 1999 clear effect turned on. Somehow even worse than the effect that's going on behind your head right now. By the way, have we mentioned on the broadcast that... We have not. This is just for you. <laughs> I feel like we should at least refer to the fact that you currently have your background awkwardly green screening the yeah. poster to End of Days Behind You. 100%. Arnold Schwarzenegger has been the devil on my shoulder this entire episode. He's been staring awkwardly over Anthony's head the whole time. He's looking out for me. Or He, he over makes you, me feel safe watching this movie, much like Tommy Lee Jones. And Don Cheadle's Oh, God. Okay, so he, he clearly swoops into a famous actor. Now, here's my question, and we may never know the answer to this. In that moment of possession, does the person die? I mean, did he, probably. Did he kill Actually, that wait, person? No. You know, first, before I answer that definitively, and I will say definitively no. Oh. But before that, I had a problem with this movie. Really? I don't I don't know the rules. A problem. <laughs> I don't oh, I rules. have a note here that just says what are the rules? <laughs> Which makes me want to sing from of that course. one that one season premiere of what Always Sunny. Rules? What are the rules? What are the rules? <laughs> uh, what are the rules? Yeah. And so there's movies like this with like you know, mysticism or whatever and you want to get a like deep biblical mythology whatever like Satan and all that angels and demons and all that fun stuff. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of times where you don't know the rules. Right. But if that's going to be the case, consistently don't let me know the rules. Right. He's capable of anything. He's the devil. Okay. You know what? Fair enough. Or give me the rules and try and stick to them the best you can. And this one tries to have its cake and eat it too. Which really frustrates me because as soon as you you start to indicate that there may be rules, I'm going to want to stick to those rules. And then you're going to break those rules. And then you're going to make me want to put my foot through the screen. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So let's let's talk about some of those things that are unexplained. So anyway, why I said definitively no. Because if you remember, you know, the very final scene of the movie, which was really frustrating for me to watch, um, Jericho gets possessed by the devil. Of course. And then he manages to re-overcome him just in time to kill himself. Yeah. So that he doesn't fuck her. Right. So... In closing, he's still alive. Yeah, but I got the... For whatever reason, I got the impression that the other guy was actually dead. Well, maybe because he was marked. 
whatever snake ritual and or a tattoo. Mm. Maybe that made him more susceptible to the possession where he's like subservient to this like possession of the devil or whatever. Yeah. Okay. So uh, here comes some more questions and um, more exploration. Uh, He then exits the bathroom and he aggressively kisses the woman that was at his table while, while grabbing her also aggressively. And only the other person at the table seems to be concerned. Well, for one thing, it seemed pretty obvious that she was probably her, or she was probably his wife or girlfriend. Yes. That being said, we don't know who those people were. We don't know who he is. No, no, for sure. Which is annoying. He's a Wall Street guy. They, uh, I'm pretty sure they call him Wall Street guy multiple times. Didn't they call him, sorry, wasn't it specifically, we have to take care of some Wall Street bigwig or something like that? Yes, I believe. Yeah, that is the only thing we know about him. Wall Street Bigwig, which, super descriptive. Better or worse name than Miss Lippin Reader? But my... <laughs> worse. Uh, my, 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 so here's what I'm getting at, though. Like he, Yes, the guy at the table is concerned, and we, we can make the, the, the mental leap that he and the woman that, uh, that Satan is making out with are together in some fashion or another. But nobody else at the restaurant seems to be weirded out. And it goes on for a while. And he does and shout, right? More importantly, she's not overly concerned. She's more interested. Now here's a question of rules. Did he make her interested? Or maybe she's just susceptible to the temptations maybe. of the devil. Maybe, maybe it is. And which because that's he, a whole thing that happens later in the movie. When he leaves the building and closes the door, the entire building explodes. Yeah, so remember how I said I don't know what the rules are? What are the rules? Because yeah. we can juxtapose him walking out of the building and blowing it up with his mind mm-hmm. with the fact that Jericho is able to grab him and throw him out a window. Right. And I just assumed he was going to like float away on bat wings or something. Well, let's not forget that he can also urinate gasoline. Or was it antifreeze? Antifreeze. It, it looked green on the pavement maybe that was just a weird trick of the light on my screen but i think it it might have been that well because i mean that's flammable too so yeah yeah i I got the impression that it was gasoline i i mean i understand why you think that i i certainly like i was jumping back and forth because it was like certain scenes i was like is it green is that is he pissing antifreeze or is it Hmm. gasoline i was like either way it's gonna be flammable and he's clearly creating a path to light that on fire i really want it to be that the devil was pissing antifreeze Right, I really, I really want that to be what it is. Can we, just, mean, can we definitively, the, definitively state that that's what happened in that scene? I was say maybe that's what it was for me. Is I wanted it to be that too because yeah. it's kind of an exotic material, like gasoline. Okay, sure, whatever. Like antifreeze. Though? We are we are jumping a little bit ahead, but I want to stay here for a second with the antifreeze piss and the explosion of the van. <laughs> uh, the one thing that they did do right is uh, what's his name? Uh, is it? Uh, uh, God damn! What's that actor's Kevin name? Pollock? Uh, Pollock. What? Kevin? Yes, Kevin Pollock. When he he steps out of the van, which is just enough doubt to reintroduce him later, which I thought was a really, which was a very good move for continuity, except for maybe the size of the explosion, and also the fact that he's clearly engulfed by fire. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, you know what we do a lot of in this movie? We do a lot of close-ups of the stunt double in fire where you could really see all that Vaseline. 
You know what I, mean? <laughs> I didn't know what you meant. <laughs> they do that a lot. It's fun. You know but. what else we do a lot of? Is we kill off a character and mm. then just happen to decide later. Mm, not quite done with Not that. yet. Not yet. Yeah. Not, not like this. Because that's 100% what happened <laughs> to that character. Because it, based on the scene, just based on the scene we watched, mm-hmm. which, by the way, don't even have to worry about an unreliable narrator because Jericho's not watching that happen. Right. Because if that was the case, I could totally understand. Because mm-hmm. then you're fucking with his head. You know what I mean? Sure. It's just us. Yep. The way the scene is shot, he clearly dies. Right. And then he's back. So as soon as he knocked on the door, I'm like, yeah. As soon as he knocked on the door, I'm like, oh, okay, he's the devil. Mm -hmm. Which is where Jericho goes right away because, you know, he should. Sure. But they clearly at that point have He also gives him 30 second Arnold Schwarzenegger side eye where he's not 100% sure that he's convinced that it's him, but then tells him all the plans anyway. Yeah, which was. Yeah. Yeah, it was weird. Uh, also, well, uh, even in that, I was like, so the devil can't walk into a church. And then he walks into a church. No, like, no, 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 no. They said the devil can't see into the church. <laughs> so then how can he walk into it? Wouldn't he be he like crashing into walk the walls into it. on the side? He can't see into it from outside. Now, when you say walk into it, you mean like he's going to crash into the wall because he can't see into it? or No, 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 no. This is the only one that didn't bother me because I feel like there was a handful of times where they were just like unnecessary exposition. <laughs> it was like devil can't see inside from outside. Well, see, you say that, but then they did another unnecessary exposition because at about three seconds after I said, how is he walking into the church? He goes, I can walk into the church. It only hurts a little bit. And I was like, oh, you know what? Fucking fair enough. <laughs> Good enough. <laughs> Let's, all right, let's let's backtrack for a minute uh, because after Satan's arrival, we got a couple of '90s one-liner slash sticks that I really really liked, and I'm only gonna go over two of them right now. Others might arrive as we go through the rest of the movie, but the first one is uh, the relationship between the two cops, Arnold and Pollock. They're not they, cops. It's uh, it's funny, you know. It's it's classic. It's it's very similar to Arnold and. Um, uh, what's his face in True Lies, whose name is escaping me? Tom Arnold. Tom Arnold. Um, where they might as well just—it might as well just have been him again. And very reminiscent of Kevin Pollock, and everyone else has been the leading man in a movie that Kevin Pollock's been in. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And then, and he has a line of, uh, "You want some of this? There's enough caffeine in it to kill an elephant." And I was like, "There, these are there are just certain lines <laughs> that <laughs> that live and died in the '90s." <laughs> And that's one of them. And that's one of them. And then you know what else? What what really, it didn't, making something fucked up in a blender, also very 90s. Well, the great part about that was one day earlier, me and my brother were watching the NFL draft. Mm -hmm. And one of the offensive linemen who was drafted that day, Ben Barsh, he detailed the shake that he takes to gain weight when he's like doing his offseason workout to like stay really strong and everything like that. Uh Uh-huh. It's the most revolting thing I've ever seen. So I'm not going to remember the ratios, and I maybe not even remember 100% of the what goes into it, but... Sure. Um, eggs, which, you know, common. But in this case, I believe they were already cooked and scrambled. Mm. Um, peanut butter. Mm-hmm. Bananas, mm-hmm. which those are pretty standard. Gatorade. Mm. Grits. Cooked mm. grits. <laughs> The sounds coming out of you are... It's just like I feel the scratchiness in my throat while drinking the shake. 
Yeah, no, the I consistency. I haven't put a flavor profile to it. It yet. sounds god awful, and they showed a video of him with a reporter at the NFL Combine, in which they made this poor girl make the shake with him and then drink it. Mm. And they talked about the texture a pretty decent amount in that too. And she was a champ. She took it down. I would have fucking thrown up. <laughs> what else? Oh no, that that was it. I think. Okay. I think I mean, that's enough. I'm eggs, just eggs, grits. Peanut butter, Gatorade. There might have been like yogurt or something in there as well. That's disgusting. No, it sure is. Oh boy. Yeah. Well, anyway, that's that's nothing compared to his shake of Pepto Bismol, pizza, lo mein, and protein powder. I, I believe so, but you're forgetting thing- that oh, it's, vodka. Yes, but you're also forgetting that it was cold, probably 18 hours old off the floor pizza. All right, floor pizza, of course. I can't forget that it's floor pizza. And oh, and then the classic, let me smell the Chinese food to make sure that it's okay. Make the face implying that it's not, and then, put and it then eat it anyway. <laughs> and without even like like the thin veil tied behind of, oh, I microwaved it for 30 seconds. I probably killed most of what's growing on it. Sure, sure. No, that's. It just... went into a shake. Oh, and then he, uh, then he picked it up, took a swig of it, said most important meal of the day, and offered some to his partner. Ugh. Yeah, it was horrible. Uh, that was dumb. That was real dumb. And just a complete unnecessary maybe 15 minutes of the movie. Or maybe I just remember <laughs> it being 15 minutes. No, it wasn't that egregious. It was probably it, like eight. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So then we get into action movie part one, uh, where a few more questions arrive. That priest is a hell of a shot. <laughs> yeah. He shot Arnold square in the chest with Twice. a sniper rifle. Uh and for being just like this crazy old drunk priest. Tongueless. It's, tongueless. It's impressive. It was impressive. Uh, and then I wasn't certain, like, again, is this the guy from the Vatican? Maybe. Is it Sir Scrolls a lot? I don't know. Sir Scrolls a lot. Uh, it's, but uh, maybe. Is maybe. it is it Sir Scrolls a lot? I don't know. Is it Father Thomas Aquinas? It will always be Father <laughs> Thomas Aquinas. <laughs> uh, also in the scene, we we get just the, um, I think it's the only sequence of scenes where Arnold is wearing a trench coat. Yeah. Uh, for specifically for the effect of it flapping in the wind while he does cool things. Yes, absolutely. It's the only reason he's wearing a trench coat. Um, uh, cool things like getting onto a helicopter that is luring into the middle of an intersection in New York City. Yeah, which you would think you would need a permit for. Sure, sure. Uh, To be followed up by, can't land on that roof because there's too much crap on it. (laughs) But I can pick you up on the street level. (laughs) In the middle of Wall Street. (laughs) You know what's really amazing about this entire sequence of the whole gunshot, the... Arnold chasing him through like we're supposed to get this vibe that he's like really good at this job I guess because he spotted the window that's open and the guy shooting like uh, the window's clear no you're wrong like why like the amount of time that it took him to say that he could have told them where the guy was that's, that, <laughs> that bothered me uh, but what really got me what I really enjoyed about this is this was clearly the first action sequence that he shot in a long time because the smile that's on his face when the camera is not zoomed in on him, is tremendous. <laughs> he is having so much fun. Now, there is a scene in this movie where he lures down from the helicopter on a rope, on a harness, and is pseudo-flying through the air. Catches oh, he, the he, he Mary Poppins it, for sure. 
catches the priest by the hood of his jacket <laughs> and lifts him and lifts him up. Correct. And, and by then, the way, I think the hood of that the, the hood of that jacket you said that jacket wasn't zipped. No, no, absolutely not. Um, and then the guy shoots at him a couple times, which of course naturally causes him to unwind further and more rapidly down the rope mm-hmm. for no reason. None at all. Uh, until we drop him through the top of a theater sign just because we're in New York and that's a thing that you do in a movie, in an action movie that takes place in New York. <laughs> uh, then it really dawned on me is when he lowers down all the way to the ground, the rope is so perfectly straight that he's like obviously on a crane <laughs> and not a helicopter. And I don't know why, but of all of the ridiculous nonsense that goes down in that sequence, that's the one that bothered me. Yeah, I didn't notice that one. I, it just really bothered. It was like it was like perfectly straight down, and he had plenty of time to unhook it. And the rope's not even like wiggling. <laughs> it's just it's just straight. See, what bothered me was how slow the transitions were in a high speed chase. Mm. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. There's a I, lot of establishing shots that are followed by like setup shots, but before the tracking shot was or establishing shot was also them setting up. So, like, it's, like, every part of it is exactly how it would be after you, like, get ready to skydive or something like that. Like, let's check the parachute for the 37th time. Mm-hmm. It's, like, let's make sure that we've got everyone set up properly. We're going to go and get jumping out of this, like, helicopter. And then we're going to have an establishing shot, like, a tracking shot, pa- like, panning around the helicopter. And then we're also going to set up again the fact that he's about to jump out of this helicopter. Right. And I'm, like, so, like, he's, like, he's escaped by now, right? Like, he is gone. 100%. He's gone. Yeah. Yeah. He uh, zipped right out of there. Um, <laughs> there's no way they catch... No. They don't know where he is now. He's gone now. Because you took 20 minutes to land on top of the cars with the helicopter and then go back up. He's gone. Oh, 100%. Now, and yet somehow gonna, he's only gone like 50 feet. We're probably going to breeze through the next section because we talked a little bit about it already. But what I have dubbed Horror Movie Part 2... And that's where we got it. That's where we went into his, in Thomas Aquinas's uh, underground lair uh, with the, pick, <laughs> the picture in the pickle jar in the fridge. Um, we got the reveal that the psychiatrist uh, and the stepmother of uh, Christine are the people that were doing the ritual in the opening. That was kind of that was actually a pretty cool thriller thing that they did. Wait, Christine? Do you mean Christ New York? <laughs> Christ? Maybe it's Christ in New York. I was so mad. Like, the Thomas Aquinas thing was bad enough. And then they started doing that. And I was literally, like, stomping my foot on the couch. I was, or on no! the ground. I was like, come on. No! <laughs> yeah, basically. Uh, the most important... Well, that's actually... That, that brings me to my next section, which was, where in the world is Christine York? Uh, <laughs> and the answer is, here. Right here, on this computer, with this address. Because she is the one person... Named Christine York. <laughs> and we know exactly where she is. That drove me up a wall. Up a wall. It was also about this point where we get into uh, the house and like all the shit goes down where I realize Arnold Schwarzenegger is not so much an actor as much as he is a genre. And that <laughs> it became very is his own genre. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The genre of Schwarzenegger. Uh, one thing that also got to me, I was curious about uh, going stepping back for a second to horror movie part two, where he kills the kid uh, with the hey, kid whisper, and then Chris hits him with a bus. 
that in that scene, I was like, and, and, and a couple more that follow, I was like, it feels like no offense against the guy playing Satan. He's a good actor, but it feels like he's doing his best Willem Dafoe, to which I pose the question, would Willem Dafoe raise this movie to like a seven or eight? Oh, so we're doing the whole Willem Dafoe, Gabriel Byrne thing in the same way that we did Hammer Cavill. Right. Which I think okay. is valid. Okay. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think Gabriel Byrne is in general a pretty decent actor. I think the problem is, like I said, this movie wastes his and my time. Sure, sure. But would it have wasted Willem Dafoe's time? Uh, you know, Willem Dafoe's all about the work. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> It was a firefight. <laughs> um, that being said, while I know he's picked a lot of indie movies, mm. uh, he's also done a lot of movie like this, I think, to fund his time in between. So probably not a waste of his time. No, I, would, I, I want to see that cut. Uh, questions. Questions about the whole Christine York situation. We did the last rides, all that shit. Arnold's well, in the house. For one, it's really confusing how the doctor's... So a doctor and nurse were able to inject themselves into her life. I'm really confused about that. Maybe that had to do with rattlesnake blood. <laughs> Is that how you do that? I think that's, yes. I think that's how you do that. Once you've marked an already marked child with rattlesnake blood, you can just right. be in their life and it's not an issue. That's right. That's also, right. how did that guy go from, like, I, I'm just confused as to how he became her therapist when he, she, like, he was just some doctor in that hospital or whatever. Uh, I I would assume that he's faking it. I guess so. I just and maybe she's adopted by the woman before going to the psychiatrist. That's a good point. And then, like the the fake mother is just like, oh hey, here's the psychiatrist without exactly. like anyone know. Nah, I don't know. It's just it's exactly. Wild. Hey, let's jump ahead to what are the rules? Uh, why she's super rules? strong though. Well, I assumed in that moment it's because she's, like, given herself, like, it, you know, because they said the whole thing about, like, you know, only, like, the warrior who is, like, you know, like, steeped in his faith of God and everything can defeat the devil. I think, you know, vice versa, she was his champion or whatever. Oh, okay. Okay, 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 cool. Because it's, it's only in that one scene that it happens, you know, where, like, sure. I feel like it was, like, you know, Lord, give me strength type of thing. Mm-hmm. But the retractable claws? Well, I mean, she 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 moonlights as Wolverine. Got it. Got it. Okay. <laughs> no further questions. Uh, objection over. Objection right. retracted. I mean, let me let me, uh, let me go through these notes real quick and check this one off. Why is stepmommy super strong? Uh, the, <laughs> devil, the devil punched that man's head into oblivion. That, that was, was a great. fun scene. I was not expecting that at all. Uh, so that was after he fucked his wife and daughter, and also absorbed one of them. Yeah. That scene made me uncomfortable, uh, and it wasn't just the weird sex. It was the it was the merging of human beings. I was a little confused as to what was going on. See, I, what I assumed was happening was like he was trying to come into his power and was like, "Oh, I'm gonna fuck this this daughter and and this and this wife, and um, mm-hmm. I'm just gonna absorb both of them or something like that, and like you know, like make myself more powerful and young and beautiful and all that sort of stuff." Because you know, we've seen that. Mm-hmm. That's a tell as old as time. Um, but instead, the, sold his run. <laughs> instead, the mother and the and the daughter just they became one for reasons undetermined as of yet. Right. Also, was a dream. Maybe not. Hard to say. Well, real then, life, but also Christine, uh, also Christ in New York's dream. Right. So right. And then you also, of course, of course, uh, 
We get the, the she cuts the, the apple. There's maggots in the apple. Arnold can see the apple because reasons. No, that one actually I was gonna willing to give it because he was oh. grabbing her hand and the apple. So like he was within her like sphere of influence. He was connected. Yes. Got it. Here's a question for you. Because as soon as he pulls the apple out of her hand, it's a normal apple again. Oh, that's true. That's true. All right. All right. Well, I'll I'll let that one slip. Why did he choose to pick that one book to steal from the house? Which book was it? I don't. It was clearly not important what book it was because they don't tell us. He reads something in it that he learns about these knights. I think that are going to try to kill her. Oh, was that what it was? I don't even remember that happening. I might have been looking at my phone. I, all I know moment. is that he takes a giant book and then not so subtly sneaks out of the house with it. Oh, it was the um, book of symbology, so that he would know what the, <laughs> so he would know who so it that was. He that could was be the her. expert in namiology. Exactly. Of course. Of course. Also, uh, another thing. So earlier on, when we were running through the city, I mentioned that if you really pay attention, Arnold has just this shit-eating grin on his face. He's so excited to be in an action movie again. The rest of the movie, if you pay attention to his face, utterly confused the entire time. He, he just has this one. look of shock on his face. It's, it's wonderful. Um, those cops. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy, do I have problems with them. Hit me. What's up? It hit me, because I have, were they in on it? Were they influenced? Were they possessed? What are the rules? <laughs> I think a little bit of all of those, um, because, so he goes to the hospital, right? The devil, mm-hmm. and that cop is there, and he whispers, basically, that he's going to reveal his secret about being a pedophile, leveraging him, you know, hey, I'm the devil. Okay, fair enough, you know? Okay. Mm-hmm. And then we never see that cop and CCH Pounder interact, do we? No. But now they're best friends, and also they're shitting up the place, and also they're Satanists now. It's like, what? Where the fuck did that come from? Well, wait, so hang on. Uh, she get the, He kills the two cops, and then he raises one of them from the dead. Yeah, I was talking about right before that. Oh, okay, okay. Oh yeah, good point, because they were obviously in on it before that part. Yeah. Right. But we never had any Very indication. Confusing. I mean, like, listen, we knew that the pedophile cop was because, you know, the devil calling out to him spoke to his soul or lack thereof. Okay, fair enough. We could expect that maybe he could, you know, come up at one point or other and, and help the devil out. But when did we establish right. that CCH Pounder was? Like, there was no, no, no it's, intimation. It's just, it's, there's no hinting. It's just how it is now. Here. This is how it is now. And like, when did they meet the two of them? It's a good question. The next set of notes are my favorite set of notes. Okay. Okay. You ready for this? It is titled Light Exposition. (laughs) Oh, not full-blown Basil Exposition? No, no. Not not like the priest explaining everything? In which we make a forced number of the beast reference. Oh, my God. Because we don't know how else to do it. When they were doing that, I was like, oh, we're going to get into the whole, like... I you know I don't know why because they never even like get into that whole thing but I immediately I immediately thought of um the number twenty three that terrible Jim Carrey movie I never saw it but I do want to see it and I remember I think it was in one of the trailers too where they were like the number twenty three because two divided by three is point six 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 yeah yeah six 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 something along those and I was like that's not how math works the uh, my favorite part about this though is that it calls back to Wild Wild West last week. It, that that's part of it uh, is when he goes. Uh, do you ever see any numbers? And it's like six six six, the number of the beast. 
Uh, yeah, 666. But in your dreams, in dreams, numbers often appear upside down. And it's like, do, do they? <laughs> is, this, is this an established rule that I'm just completely unaware of? They're telling me, in this, we ask, what are the rules over and over again? In this situation, that's the rule. He's telling us that that's the rule. And also that 666 upside down is 999. And then he goes, as in 1999, which I'm like, no, not the same number. <laughs> well, you know, the thing is, and that's one of those cases of like the left hand not knowing what the right's doing, because later in the movie, so like when they when they have the passage from the Bible, which was meant to be from, I guess, you know, St. John's Revelations, right? They have the whole thing about he's a thousand years of imprisonment are over. He's been loosed on the world or whatever. And I guess this is a every 1,000 years prophecy. Mm. And they mentioned that this has happened before 1,000 years ago. It's like, oh, okay, I get it. So in the year 999, this happened. And then in the year 1999, we're going to do it again. Okay. Fair enough. Maybe lead with that. Right. Right. Or, you know, follow up the fact that the 999, meaning 1999, following the 1,000 years since this last happened in 999... Okay, I'm there with you. But 999 plus 999. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's been a thousand years since 999. Uh, okay. All right. But the point is, this one sentence. Fine. If we're going to do light exposition, we can do some light to medium exposition. All right. Just give me the one extra sentence. And now we get into Arnold Schwarzenegger always has to be a comedian. Right? So I wrote this line down because I rewound it to get it just right. <laughs> Where he says, so the Prince of Darkness wants to conquer the Earth, but has to wait until an hour before New Year's Eve. This is Eastern time. That was actually a good line. That hurt. <laughs> no, was, I actually like that line. That was, it, that was uh, somehow in a, line, in a movie full of cheesy fucking lines and cheesy fucking scenes. That was like the only good. But it was actual- great. It's great because he's calling bullshit on the whole thing because that's yes. how he feels about it all, which is it did make it funny. But I was just like, this is great. And it's too much all well, at the same time. It's a super cheesy line. But yet compared to all the other cheesy lines, it makes it feel like it was actually a good comedic line. Uh, then I think I started to trail off. I don't know what happened. I don't know if like maybe uh, I don't know if I was being talked to or probably like got some water. Yeah, kind of like something. me five minutes ago where I fell asleep mid sentence. So I, like I, my I, own sentence. I'm I, dead serious. I'm pretty <laughs> sure I fell asleep. I don't remember what we were talking about. I don't remember where I was going with that. The word blue came out of my mouth. Uh-huh. I don't know it why. It was not. It was not right. It didn't uh, have anything to do with what no, was coming before that. Even. I don't remember what was coming I'm before that. I'm just keeping an eye on you in case something happens. But uh, so like I said, I started. Tra- I trailed off for a few minutes here. Uh, until and I, I sat back down and uh, I had headphones on, so I was able to walk away, fill out my water. So I was like listening to the movie as it was going on for this like I don't know two to five minute span. And I sit back down and I'm looking. I looked at my phone real quick, and the line was, "You'll be safer with me." This is when he's in the there. The Arnold is with the priest and Christine, and they're in the um the whatever weird lair in the downstairs of the church with all the computers. Is you know how churches have that lair with the computers? Yeah, all the computers and the stigmata. Uh, they, <laughs> when they're in there, and uh, he basically they're like, "We'll we'll keep her safe," and then he says, "Arnold, you'll be safer with me. At least I can fight this guy with something real." And like I said, my eyes were not directly directly at the screen. I had to rewind it because in that scene, he grabs his gun. He says, I 
at least I can fight this guy with something real. And he aggressively grabs his gun out of the my peripheral vision. It looked like he was grabbing something else. And I was like, what did this movie turn into? <laughs> Could you imagine? I mean, because that's been a thing that's happened in movies a bunch of times. Of course. Could you imagine? Like, Arnold Schwarzenegger could never do that sort of swagger where he grabs his junk. Yeah. Referentially. Yeah. Threateningly. Yeah. That would have been... It, 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 it maybe might have bumped this up to like an eight or a nine film. I got it. <laughs> I, I got it now. What do you got? The devil was most assuredly going to fuck Christine. Sure. And now Jericho's going to fuck the devil. <laughs> <laughs> With something real. Right? <laughs> he grabs his crotch like menacingly and said, Oh, I can fight him with something real. It's like, Oh, no, he's going to fuck him back. Got it. All right. Uh, By the way, I decided to tone it down ever so slightly the intro and go with Nice Shirt Kid because my original line was going to be, Got a whole new definition to Devil's Threesome. Nice. <laughs> nice. Uh, the next, the next uh, phase of notes here is the one on one time. And that's when we get Arnold in the in his apartment with Satan. A uh, couple of issues. First, after trying to convince him that he'll give him that Satan convincing Arnold that he'll give him whatever he wants, like give him his family back, all that stuff, and Arnold is resisting. We get a flashback to these gangsters coming into the house, uh, taking his wife and daughter into the bedroom. And they're and killing them. There's two sounds of a gun going off, and then that's it. And then we go into that room, and there is blood everywhere. I mean, everywhere. And it it was two gunshots. <laughs> yeah, they shot them with hand grenades. <laughs> I was I, that, I was very like I was so distracted in that scene. I was like, but why is there blood on the ceiling? Why is there blood over there on that mirror? You know how you Why can... is this entire little jewelry box covered in blood? <laughs> you know how sometimes when you're playing like you know a throwback to N64 Goldeneye, you can mm. set like those mods where like people's heads explode? Sure. That's what happened? Yeah, why not? Alright, it was like when the devil punched that guy in the face earlier in the movie. Again, that was pretty cool. It was a pretty intense scene. Um I wasn't I did not see it coming that like here's not a, like that. This line delivery, I I laughed out loud because it was like this I, I basically uh, Satan became Willem Dafoe to deliver this line, and it was perfect because the cadence, just the the way that he says it, the the tonality in his voice, it's very perfect. He says he's explain he's talking to Jericho, Satan, and he goes talking about specifically when the when the wife and kid were killed. Where was God? He could have stopped it, but he didn't. He fucked you. And I was like, <laughs> was it the way that that line is delivered so fast? I was like, what did he just say? There's a lot of that going around. <laughs> also, I don't understand. Like during that whole sequence, I'm pretty sure his Irish accent starts peeking out and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, and then I don't understand the next, the follow up to that, where Arnold aggressively points his finger at him as he walks towards him and says, "You're a fucking choir boy compared to me," <laughs> which is another great line. <laughs> it was. It reminded me of Jimmy's rant from a couple weeks ago when you know lightning bolts come flying yeah. from my fingertips. Yeah. Yep. Uh, we also obviously get Arnold hanging out of a window and his hands being stepped on while he go- makes that weird Arnold noise, which ah! is in, yeah, which is in every every single Schwarzenegger film. He's always hanging on the edge of something while somebody is stepping on his hand. Well, that the the best version of that sounds got to be from Total Recall, right? Sure, of course. 
I mean, that's the that is the classic. Um, let's move on to the finale, shall we? We've we've spent we've spent a decent amount of time in here. We, we could breeze through some of this. Uh, the finale notes, which I have said, is obviously party like it's nineteen ninety nine. One of my another one of my favorite scenes. Satan's in the church. Okay, he kills all the priests uh, except for one, and then he says, "And with your last breath." You shall bear witness to the end of days. And then he just snaps his neck. And I'm like, you just said that with his last breath, he's going to bear witness to the end of days. And then you ended him before you did it. More like out of his days. Killing me. All right. Killing, <laughs> killing me. Uh, here's I, another. I, I was, I was going to say, I have a couple of notes from the finale, too. Sure. Uh, um, but, but just one, one thing, because that follows right up that with the fight in the alleyway. Because you're going to like this one. I hope okay. you caught it when you watch the movie. I'm not sure that you did. There's a wonderful sound effect of two punches, but one punch is thrown. And it <laughs> is so jarring. I did not that, no. <laughs> anyway, go on. What Wait, were you going to say? In the alleyway. What, which one was that? Uh, they're in the alley and like a whole bunch of Satan hooligans are beating up on Jericho. Oh, yeah. yeah. And yeah, he yeah. crucifies them. There's a, there's a single, very aggressive, very like... Um, I don't know, front and center of the screen punch, hand is swung as it connects, boom, boom. <laughs> and I'm like, I totally, that's weird. <laughs> I, I totally forgot that they they literally crucified Jericho. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I forget, how did he get back down? Uh, the old priest that could barely walk got him down. Oh, that's right, okay. Not off screen, though. Naturally. Yes, totally we, off screen, that's right. don't need to waste okay. time on that. Irrelevant. I mean, we get it. Uh, he saw him and he's like, what are you doing up there, you crazy son of a bitch? <laughs> there is some really terrible editing in the very end of this. It it kind of, again, calls back to mind, like, the idea of, like, Thor when they ran out of money and they're shooting it on a back lot. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, then they're on the train. They're having the whole shootout, shootout on the train. There are some of those, like, like there's cuts in that. That are the worst fucking editing I've ever seen. And I don't usually notice those things specifically. But there's like, he keeps punching through the train. Yeah. And there's, you know, he's, teach, he's taught Christ in New York how to shoot. Yeah. And they're like, cut to a close up of like a fist coming through the wall or like the floor. And then like, they cut back and then they somehow cut again to the exact same thing. And like, someone is shooting. And I'm not even sure they're facing in the right direction 100%. Right. Yeah. And like it's, they're, it's all jacked up. It's like really, really bad. Mm-hmm. It's terrible. That's, I mean, so was the movie. <laughs> uh, Keep going with what you're, you're sure. going with. Sure. Uh, when we're on the train um, and he decides that we have to separate the train cars, why? I also wondered that. Okay. Okay. So it's not just me. It also, again, went to the whole idea of, like, the rules, because... What are they? Yeah, because, <laughs> like, he's invincible, but also maybe if you hit him with a grenade, he's, like, he's kind of fucked up. Yeah. There doesn't seem to be any silver bullet, though you'd think that maybe one doused in holy water would do some good. But again, he can walk into church because he says he can. Right. And also, he can blow things up and light them on fire, and also create an army of minions out of nowhere. And that was, I think, what I was getting at before when I was falling asleep mid sentence, where um, blue he, guys, yeah, blue guys, or whatever <laughs> I was saying. The, the word blue came out. I'm, I'm still very confused by this. Um, I still don't know when they established that they got CCH Pounder onto their right 
team. Though, of course, he then raises her from the dead. Sure. Quite obviously. Mm -hmm. But then he has whole hosts of people at his disposal. And so is it just a general bad people are coming along with my plan because I'm their master? Because, like, we did get that. Like, he did say that. What's that? Satan worshippers? Well, because he said, well, how many active Satan worshippers can there really be? Even in New York City. Like, I mean, like, how many really can there be in that one area? Hmm. And, like, we got a little, like, intimation as to what was going on, right? When he whispers in the pedophile's ear and says, you know, don't forget who you serve. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, you know, I guess people who are really bad, we're going to just, we're going to say that they're active, like, servants of Satan because, like, they've, right. like, sold their soul or whatever. Like, okay, I guess I could kind of get behind, like, the more, the, like, the morals of that, like, that we're moralizing a little and saying, oh, you know, the really worst of the sinners. They serve me whether they realize it or not. They just need to be reminded. Like, okay, this I could work with that a little bit. I got something cool. I'm not entirely sure where we got with that with her. There's never any inclination that was shown that she was doing that. She seemed to be an earnest cop when we right. first saw her, the first several seasons we saw her. And then there's just hosts of people following. Is it one of those things where it's like the more power he gets, like more people just like flock to him? Is he like working some sort of can we get him like maybe like calling out you know, my my minions? Or maybe it's like are. a hocus pocus vibe where he's like, "Come, little children." See, if they had that scene, I'd be all about it. I was just thinking that as well as I was going through this, but I decided to hold it in reserve because I have another <laughs> hocus pocus reference Ooh. for the very end of the movie. Oh boy! <laughs> so, so while we're at it, I can jump to that because we can circle back around to where you. So uh, when he... but right before we get there, though, actually, because I have something that leads right up to that, and that is that we need to pay close attention that in a span of, I believe it's like, I don't know, five minutes, we do two time jumps, 6.47 p.m., 8.47 p.m. Why? I don't know. Mm, you know. <laughs> go on. Yeah. <laughs> What's up? It's, it's, go on. <laughs> I want to know the other Hocus Pocus. Oh, so yeah, getting to my other Hocus Pocus point. We get to the very end in which they maybe defeated him, maybe not. I'm still unclear if the bullets are doing anything. Mm-hmm. It seems like they don't, but now they are for reasons. Sure. And then like earthquakes and stuff are happening mm-hmm, and he gets mm-hmm. possessed. Right, right. Though we didn't really see like that happen or coming or whatever. Like, I don't know. Yeah. He, we- the demon flew in and went right into him. Yeah, it's just like out of nowhere, kind of at that point. Like, mm. we didn't even get like a moment where he's like decided, like, well, if I can't beat him, I'll join him type of thing. It's just that's what we're doing now. I feel um, like it was because the uh, that body was like completely disheveled and destroyed. Well, no, sure. Um, but. I just mean like, why, why he you are dece- making me defend parts of this movie, and that is rude. No, I just <laughs> I'm confused as to why he's susceptible all of a sudden. He wasn't oh, chosen. God, In God, fact, God, he was God. chosen to be the opposite. He was chosen sure, to be the defender. Sure, sure, sure. So why is he now susceptible to possession? Why didn't he just do that to begin with? Like he tried to persuade him to join him, right? Mm-hmm. With that whole montage of things we're gonna show him a mm-hmm. different life he could have had. But like, why is he now possessible? Why didn't he just do that to begin with? Like, hey, right. you know what? This guy's the only one in my way. I'll just possess him. I'll know the things I need to know, like what church she's in. And then it'll be done, and I'll fuck her. Um, hmm. Instead, we go through that whole rigmarole. Sure. And so Jericho fights the temptation. He kills himself, which I'm sure we're supposed to feel sad in that moment. And I felt nothing. Um, and then he gets to see his... He dies. He gets to see the ghosts of his wife and daughter and go join them. 
as she's like crying and watching them. And I was thinking of the end of Hocus Pocus when Binks like gives up his life to help them. Yeah. And then he sees his, his little sister there. Yeah. One <laughs> of those scenes is actually moving. Right? Uh, yeah. No, that's amazing. That's that's as you re- when when you got finally to him jumping on the sword, I was like, oh, I see where he's going. <laughs> but then they follow through and they show the ghosts. And I was like, so now we're just ripping off Hocus Pocus. Okay. Yep. yep. Um, can we talk one one thing about that final scene of him jumping onto the, the sword that I so vividly remember from back in the day seeing the movie was even as a kid watching this movie, I was like, that's a weird length for him to jump. Oh, yeah, it was a where he's ep- like, epic there, swan dive. There's no reason to use a wire in that scene. But they <laughs> do it, and he jumps a far distance. Yeah, he travels a good there. 20 feet. Yeah, it's uh, and like magnetizes to the sword. And then, okay, and then... <laughs> and then Could you imagine if he kind of missed and he just like like punctured a little bit here, like around the kidney? Oh, my God. Well, here's the thing, though. At, at that point, I, you're supposed to assume that it's like something along the lines of, I guess, like that he like he didn't kill Satan or anything like that. He just bought enough time that midnight struck. That's really all that happened. So and they don't, ho- they, hocus pocus. And they don't even. Right. Exactly. Hocus pocus again. But they don't even show you <laughs> yes. that the time has come. You only you just know that it was that about three minutes ago. It said 1157. Yeah. And we saw the ball drop. Right, but that's it. There's no. It doesn't show you that. Like at that, it should have been like ding, can, and then he should have turned into fire and come flying out of him. Or can we get like split screens of the ball hitting the bottom? Oh, that could have been awesome. Uh, one last piece of that though is I love that after that happens, we don't spend any time with the aftermath. Like we've just established the devil is real, and he won't be back again for a thousand or, years, or for at least nine hundred ninety-nine day, years, day, whatever. <laughs> Uh, and I was like, "That's that's ridiculous." And then I then then one more piece of IMDb trivia came into play, and nice. that was there is an alternate ending, what? where Jericho impales himself on the statue of the angel, and is believed to be dead, but then opens his eyes and pushes himself off the sword. His wound is miraculously healed, and then he and Christine walk out of the church. <laughs> why? What are you the know, rules? Do you know why I want that scene? Why? That sword was 15 feet long. I want the scene <laughs> where he is doing a push-up to get off of the 15-foot sword. <laughs> Help me! <laughs> and just the whole time going, ah! <laughs> Oh my god. That movie was a disaster and a treat. <laughs> but, oh man. I'm done. Are you done? Yeah. Alright. That was good, Al. Thanks for doing this movie with me. It's okay. It was, uh, uh, I, it was certainly an experience. I, it was worth it just to do this three-hour session with you. That's all for this week's episode of Flicks in a Six. We hope you enjoyed it. As always, if you have a movie for us to discuss, or nuggets for us to... Nope. No, that's not what I say. If you have a movie for us to review, or nuggets for <laughs> us to discuss, you can send those requests to Flicks in a Six at SpinTune.com, or tweet us at the SpinTune. Tune in next week for more movie and beer goodness. Until then, I'm Anthony Costanza. And I'm falling asleep. Thanks for coming out.